of holidays, if that includes Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or what are we missing? Um, I don't know. Festivus, Boxing Day, Little Italian Christmas, all of those things. It's our holiday show, Christine. It is. Once again, this is our second annual. We're doing, we're making a tradition now, aren't we? What did we cover last year? So uh, everyone can go back and listen to it. How did you forget last year, Christine? Yeah. Um, I say that because I can only remember one of them. Uh, oh, gosh. I remember why I forgot the other one. Last year, you picked... What did I pick? Uh, a movie directed by your favorite director, the guy who directed Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that movie was Santa Claus the Movie. Oh, so good, right? Yeah, no. Terrible and really boring, except for Don Lithgow. And I picked what is... One of the greatest holiday movies of all time. Um, there once was a Christmas that almost wasn't. Almost wasn't. Almost wasn't. There once that one. The Christmas that, that almost was wasn't. The most difficult movie to watch. No, Santa Claus the movie was because it was boring. Christmas have, wasn't. Songs. I have vivid memories of suffering through that movie last year. <laughs> Oh, well, folks, if you want to hear um, my our review of what I think is one of the best holiday movies and what my co-host, is, who has no taste, doesn't understand... Um, I just rolled my eyes. Go dig no up our episode from last year. <laughs> Super. This one probably is going to be a little bit better. We'll see. What are we covering today? <laughs> we are covering um, Jingle All the Way and Die Hard. Yeah, so... Um, Movies with many things in common, mostly that they star an action star, kind of, right? I guess. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I don't know. Look, looking for ties. Uh, so now, before that, um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, you know, what would be now? How how is Christmas going? Have you done your Christmas shopping? Do you do Christmas shopping? Have you put up a tree? Um, yeah. you got a tree, actually. Did you get a real one? Yeah, shockingly. Fancy. I know. Um, I wasn't gonna, and then we just happened to go to Lowe's to look for Christmas decorations. I hear that Lowe's hates gay people, and I'm sorry I that I bought that my Christmas tree yeah. there. But um, we were just looking at Christmas decorations, and they had very reasonably priced tiny trees. Hmm. Um, so we decided to grab one, and, you know, the rest is history, as they very say. Nice. Very nice. Do you Wait, have what's a your topper? Do you have a topper? Um, like a little $1 Target star. Okay, nice. But you know what's on it? I don't. A very fantastic <gasps> blue suede-wearing gentleman. Yes! <laughs> um, my Kendall ornament. Your Kendall ornament that I got a, you. Yeah. Yay. I was so excited to see it in the box. Yay. I get I, I forget about him every year, and then oh. I see him and go, oh. So that's what I like about um, my Christmas tree is that it's not the excitement of a Christmas tree. It's that like when you put the ornaments on and you remember where they all came from. Oh, I know. That moment of like, oh, this is from this person. I have my um, my my like the oldest thing I own. I have not well, not like the oldest thing I own, but the oldest thing that I ever had uh, that Mm -hmm. belonged to me is this Grover ornament I have, where it's Grover building a snowman. And I think I got it when I was four, and it's ceramic. And yes, I've dropped it and broken it, but Crazy Glue does wonders. Aww. Um, I have, I always get Yoda ornaments, and I, I always end up dropping them, and their ears fall off. Like, it happens every time. So I, I have mean, one Yoda with no ears on there. That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, my tree, see, we don't, we decided not to do a real tree. Because of cats? 
Uh, in part. We're also on the fourth floor, so it's a pain yeah. because you have to drag it all the way up, then you have to drag it all the As way down. As someone who lived in a third floor walk-up in New York yep. and got a real tree one year, I know that it is the biggest pain it's, in the ass. Yeah, so it's, you know, and then you have, like, if it's hot in your apartment, then you have to worry about it drying out and stuff. Yep. Um, so our rule, or my rule, that I basically said to my husband now, uh, two years ago when we moved in here, was, okay, if we're going to have a fake tree, I'm allowed to get the ugliest, tackiest fake tree I can find. And, <laughs> is it blue? Well, here's, oh, here's the thing. This is actually a source of contention for me, not uh, not not within my marriage, but within me and the dollar store. <laughs> uh-huh. so, I, so I'm walking by a dollar store one day in my neighborhood, and I stop. Like, I literally, like, stop, drop my bags, because outside, they have a tree, like, like about my height tree. It's like a little, you know, little little tree, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it is. Because you, uh, you are three feet tall. I am three feet tall. It's <laughs> a so little, little three feet tall tree. And it was like that, sh- like that. Uh, what do you call it? Like the garland where it's just all shiny, yeah, and pink. It was bright pink. I'm like that one. That's Beautiful. it. So I walk in the store because I see where they have the trees, and I'm looking, and I see uh, green tinsel, and I see gold tinsel and silver, but I don't see the pink. And I'm looking all around, I can't find it. So I walk outside where there's a guy working, and I ask him, I'm like, um, do you have any more of the pink trees? And he's like, oh no, whatever's in the store. I'm like, oh, okay, you didn't have any in there. Can I buy? Can, can I buy this one then? He's like, oh, well, it's already assembled, but yeah, we can probably, I mean, I don't see why not. He's like, let me ask the manager. And he walks in, and I see him talking to the, like, the head cashier, the manager, and he, he talks to her, and I just see her shake her head and say no. And I'm just standing, I'm like, what, what? And I, so I kind of, he's like, oh, no, she won't sell it. I'm like, but you don't have any left, right? He's like, no, no, that's our last one. I'm like, so you're not going to sell any, so why, it's misleading, you have it out here, like... I'll pay extra since you assembled it already. And like this woman just refused to sell me this pink wow. tree. So I ended up with a gold one. Uh, it's still pretty hideous. Uh, I have a random batch of ornaments on there. Uh, I actually have a couple of things from you. I have um, the little Chucky that Yay! is on there. Uh, my sassy ornament broke, not surprisingly. Well, I mean, you are too sassy. I know. I'm pretty sassy. Uh, and so it's it's standing in the corner. Um, Mookie, who didn't look at it at all last year, never looked at my trees the year before. This year has decided to occasionally gnaw on it and, like, knock one thing off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the cats are perfectly behaved little angels, so they don't touch it. But yeah, that's that's well. That's good. That's my my mom. My mom already has eighteen stories about cats knocking shit over, and she just got hers. <laughs> I mean, cats and Christmas, man. It's a dangerous combination. Just ask Grumpy Cat the Christmas movie, which I actually did not watch. Did you? I, did not, I, mean, no. I I'm waiting to yeah. hear if it's uh if it's for me or not, if you will. Um. Well, Aubrey Plaza like hate tweeted it the whole time it was on. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Because she's the cat. Right. Right. Um, I know, listeners, because I'm sure we have listeners who watched it. Oh my god, yes. Should I watch the Grumpy Cat Christmas movie? I'm telling you, you should. We're going to make a poll on it and put it on Facebook. How's that? I'm going to vote yes, so. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I haven't got even seen vote. it. Uh, now, I'm thinking, though, I, what I was originally going to say was Christmas shopping. I have a gift idea for anyone in your okay. life who reads. Okay. okay. Do you know what my gift idea would be? Is it my book? It would be your book. Yes. Thank you. Yes, everybody. Remember, Christine wrote a book. It's outstanding. Remember? <laughs> Remember, guys, that, like, I know this was a really long time ago, like, two months ago. Well, you didn't write it two months ago. I'm sure it took you. No, I, I didn't. I published it about two months right. ago. You're right. And it is um, available on Amazon. 
It is, and Emily apparently really liked it. I really did. Yes. Um, I'm trying. She's to, a little angel. I've been trying to figure out how to recommend it in terms of like, if you liked this, you would like this. Because I, because it's funny. Because I was, um, I got my hair cut yesterday, and Ooh, as I, I got my hair cut Friday. Did you do anything fancy? It's really short. Ooh, that is fancy for you. Thank you. I just do what I do every time, which is just just cut off the dead parts. I don't care what you really do. I put it back anyway. Well, that's what I say, and then I say in as short as you can possibly go. Uh, see, my thing about getting my hair cut, I hate do. I hate it. Like it's just it's awkward. It's so much. It takes so long. But the other thing too is I hate having to talk to the hairdresser because it's <gasps> like really rare that I have anything to say to her. It's usually a her. I don't have. Like, I know one this is where I go to. This isn't haircut um, cast. I get it. That is one of the main reasons Zach won't go get a haircut. Yeah. Like, he hates talking. Oh, I hate the small talk. Like, and like, I don't mind because I'm used to having to do it, but this last time, the girl did not talk to me at all. But do you like that, or do you find that awkward? No, I was fine with it, but I'm yeah. so used to, like, having to make small talk when like, she just didn't talk. Like, I tried to, like, I was like, we're going to make small talk. Yeah, so like, I, like, hey, made a joke, and she yeah. didn't respond at all, and I'm like, oh, so this is how it's going to be. It's oh, yeah. See, she did a great job. Well, that's but. good. That's what you need, I guess. I, it's like I go back and forth because when they're really quiet and don't talk, I get kind of creeped out. And the last time that happened, honestly, the woman didn't speak English, and she ended up giving me uh-huh. bangs, and I didn't ask for bangs. So uh-huh. ever since then, I'm very nervous about that. But on the flip side, it's like it's very rare that me and a hairdresser are going to find that like sweet conversation spot. Yeah, common ground. You know, right. like. And sure enough, like, this this girl who cut my hair, who cut my hair the last time, and she was very pleasant, and I overheard her talking to the the next person she was cutting their hair and, like, doing mine at the same time, and she said something about, like, oh, yeah, I'm going back to Missouri for Christmas. I'm like, so then she comes back and cuts, cuts my hair, and, like, I have nothing to say to her. Um, I was so excited last time I got my hair cut, because it was, like, right before the wedding, so I'm like, ooh, I can make up shit about my wedding, and, like, make That's up all these awesome. stories about this wedding. But so this time, so I'm like, oh, I'm like, you're from Missouri. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, everything I know about Missouri, I learned from Jillian Flynn. I'm like, oh, I had, like, because all of Jillian Flynn's books are kind of set in or around Missouri. Mm-hmm. And then, then she's like, oh, yeah, I, I read Gone Girl. I'm like, great, we can talk about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm reading Sharp Objects now. She's like, oh, I couldn't get, get through that one. It was too dark. I'm like, okay, I guess we guess that ended that conversation we're done now yeah it's tough man it's tough but i guess the the i'm getting around to like still trying to figure out who because when it comes to books i think because then i was able to say to her like oh i'm like you know what um another really good author if you like jillian flynn is megan abbott who somebody recommended to me from our facebook group and i can't Mm -hmm. remember who and whoever it is, thank you so much, because I've since read three Megan Abbott books, and I can't remember who it is, and I'm, I feel oh, so bad. Oh, well, I'm going to have to put that on my queue, so thanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Read Dare Me and um, a few others. Mm. Uh, but so then I started talking about that, and it made me think about how you recommend books. Yes. Um, like, more so than anything, I find the easiest way to recommend books is to go by author. Mm-hmm. Because a book so rarely, it's not like, oh, I like books about... Um, about the South, so I'm going to recommend Bastard Out of Carolina to you. It's more generally, like, a book about the South could be The Secret Life of Bees, or it could be um, could be a Cormac McCarthy novel. Like, there's so mm-hmm. much within that where it really is, I think, about the author when it comes to that. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out, like, a little bit of, like, I'd say certainly if you like Gillian Flynn, then read Wake Up Maggie. Hey, that's a really compliment, because when I read her books, I thought, like, hey, we kind of have things in common. Oh, yeah, well, they're similar, I think, and again, what I've told you that I 
really what I really enjoyed about the novel that I know you had said like and I had predicted some people wouldn't which is you have a your narrator your main character your protagonist isn't quote-unquote necessarily likable Mm -hmm. in the like broad definition of the terms which is Mm -hmm. something Gillian Flynn does definitely with her women um and yeah, so it's like, I guess it's that similar style, but I'm still thinking of others. But yeah, Wake Up Maggie on Amazon. Go Thanks. get it in e-form or hardcover, cop copy, not cover, but copy, hard copy. bound, soft bound, hard copy. <laughs> I got through it. That was tough. Yay! Ooh. All right, so before we jingle all the way and, and yes. die hard, uh, yeah. what, what you been up to? What you been watching? I've been watching some stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I watched, um, Under the Skin. Ooh, I still haven't seen it. Tell me what you thought. I need to see it again. Okay. Um, it is a very... Uh-oh. Are you there? Are you there, Christine? It's me, Emily. We lost her. Okay. You were telling me that Under the Skin is very... It's slow. Okay. But not necessarily in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I was in the right frame of mind for something paced like that. Gotcha. Um, it is very attractive. It's a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. The story is very interesting. Um, Scarlett Johansson is good. Did I lose you again? Nope, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I'm just listening to your beautiful so voice, baby. Thank you. Scarlett Johansson is really good. Um, the visuals are disturbing. Okay. It's a disturbing movie, um, but but I don't think I was in the right place for it. So I, I, I want to rewatch it, but I, uh, a lot of people are like, you're going to love it, and I can totally see why. Well, it seems but really polarizing. It seems a very love-hate relationship it, is what I'm getting. I can totally see that. Um, I didn't dislike it, but if you had asked me right after, I would have been like, oh, no. Gotcha. It's just, it was later. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't yeah. know what to expect. It so seems like I wasn't a frame of mind kind of movie. Absolutely. But there was there was shit in there that really fucking upset me. Nice. So, you know, it's a good movie. And I um I bought the book that it's based on. I didn't realize it was based on a book. It is. Um, Interesting. So, so I will be reading that. All right. Um, I rewatched League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> Because this is another what movie. You to do this. I am. Con- Zach's never seen it all the way through. I was convinced Wait, is that, that it was like that one of bad. those movies that you have to see all the way through. Yeah. Like I didn't realize that that was up there with like Pulp Fiction and Godfather. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Excuse the extraordinary gentleman. So because how did it age? As I've, as I've been told, famously, um, this is the movie that made Sean Connery stop acting. <laughs> so I had seen it like on VHS a million years ago. And I don't remember hating it. That, that big theater. That because Stuart Townsend's really hot. Uh, but yeah. Put, and he was back on good in that, I think. Oh my god, he's the best thing he in is, that. He is, right? I remember that. It is so boring. It is so much worse yeah. than I remember. I saw that movie for free. I went to the movie theater. It was like a local movie theater. I remember I gave like $20. It was, I think, a $5 showing because it was like a bargain showing mm-hmm. and they gave me a 10 and a five and five singles back i'm like thank you and i walk in the theater and i sit down and i look at my money i'm like they they just gave me change they didn't give me they didn't take my money uh, which ended up being great because i didn't That's really feel awesome. right spending money on that movie but i do remember really liking Stuart townsend in it yeah he's really he's charming and yeah. he's good in most things i like him yeah. um 
it's really it's 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 boring it's yep. i can't say like it looks terrible there's things that don't look good it didn't age that well sure. that way but it's like undefensively boring yeah that's how i remember feeling yeah and i don't remember hating it when i first saw it but this really like never you don't ever need to see that again okay um so don't ever watch that i will not um so then where was i oh i watched the maze runner oh i haven't seen it yet did you read the book i did not i don't i illegaled this so I don't know if it's out. It's, I think it just came out on DVD, so it won't be on Netflix for like at least another month. OMG. This is so fucking good. Nice. I didn't read the book. This is such a good movie. I was shocked how nice. good it was. I have heard a lot of... I really enjoyed the book. I've heard a lot of people who said the movie's better than the book. So... That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I read some reviews for the book that said that the writing was really pedestrian in it. Well, you know, but I feel like it was supposed to be. Like, the writing is very simple and not flowery. Like, it's very straightforward prose, which well, kind of worked for the Sometimes story that's me, necessary. So, yeah. So, I mean, I enjoyed the book, but mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of smarter people didn't, apparently. So. Yeah, well, the movie is out of control good. Nice. I, I was riveted the whole time. Cool. Um, I watched As Above, So Below. That, now, okay. Is That's, this the Catacombs movie that people said was really good, or is this another movie that was like the Catacombs movie that people said was really good? Well, it's under Paris. Okay, so I think but this is the one that some people were, like, reading about. There's tunnels of stuff. Was it good? But I didn't think it was that good. Okay. Um, it was a movie. Yeah, that, they it, are. But it got a little cliched. Mm-hmm. There was a few really good gross, not gross, but upsetting moments and stuff. Okay. Like a little like, what's going on? Like cre- creeped out voice. stuff. Yeah, that's how I talk. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but eh, yeah, you should watch it. Okay. I will you, know what you, you know what you shouldn't watch? I don't. This is where I leave you. This is where I leave you. Exactly. You don't know what that is because that's the most forgettable name of a movie Wait, ever. is that the Elizabeth Moss one? No, no. It is the Jason Bateman movie with Tina Fey. Oh God! This—I don't want the two of them together. She deserves well, better. They're not—they're brother and sister. That yeah, helps. but that doesn't matter. She Jane Fonda's in it. Oh, I do love Jane Fonda. Oh, um, this is, is yes, I know this movie. I didn't see it, but I know it. It is so boring. I think Erica liked it. Oh my God! I'm sorry, Erica. No, I don't change my mind. Um, I might be totally um, uh, slandering her. I might be wrong about that, but I it's like like what people. No, and all yeah. the rich and all the rich white people problems. Yeah, well, they're the worst. I don't know. It just wasn't great. And then last on my list, I watched Open Windows. Don't know it. That is the Elijah Wood Sasha Gray movie. Oh, directed okay. by Nacho. Alejandro. He, he directed A is for yes. Apocalypse and Time Crimes. Time Crimes, man. Which I haven't seen because everybody said it was just like Triangle, and I'm still trying to put distance between Triangle and Time Crimes. You haven't seen Time Crimes? No, I have not. Oh my gosh, you'd like it. It's I so good. I'm told. Um, it, I, Open Windows is schlocky and weird in some ways, and kind of has like a convoluted plot, but okay. there's a lot of fun shit in it. Hmm. And they filmed some of it in Austin, and you can totally see stuff. Oh, nice. That I live there. I like that Elijah would like where his career has gone. I like that he just seems to do really interesting things that he finds interesting. Right. We spent like 15, 20 minutes of the movie talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like what he's chosen to do. Yeah. Good on him. Good yeah. on him. Yeah. That's all you've got? That is it. Tiny okay. list. Yeah. 
I feel like I have a lot more. Yeah, we'll go for it. Okay. Well, um, it's it is the Christmas season, which for me means you know when nothing is on, browsing on, browsing around TV and seeing what Lifetime movie is on. Uh, this was on Lifetime. I think it was on Hallmark. I don't know, but um, I didn't know Dolly Parton did a made-for-TV Christmas movie where she plays an angel who no she's not an angel the movie is called unlikely angel uh she is apparently a country singer who dies and is either going to hell if she doesn't help this family come together um yeah it's it's weird it's not very good but dolly parton's in it and it's great because she's in it mm-hmm. and she's in it it's great uh when she's not in is, is it oh no, awful when she's not in it don't no no that's when you go and get yourself some seltzer oh, or go delicious. to the bathroom or you brush your teeth then you come back when you hear her her charming voice um, I, we upgraded our DVR, which means I now apparently have a million hours of oh, that's awesome. like, possible storage. But the problem is, like, I have Netflix. There's not, not like I like to really, like, I don't browse TV, look for things to record. So therefore, I've been watching a lot of either Kitchen Nightmares, figure skating, or uh, musicals airing on TCM. Mm-hmm. So I have a whole lot of TCM musicals, um, 1950-somethings Brigadoon with <laughs> Kelly and Sid Charisse. Uh, I knew the musical, um, hadn't seen the film. The film's pretty, but it's, like, there's something lacking about it. I don't know what. Uh, Easter Parade with Judy Garland and Fred Astaire. I actually think I've seen that. It's, there's a a couple of songs in there that you probably, like, it has Easter Parade, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah, of course you do. Uh, this was okay. There was... It was cute, and there were a lot of funny things that weren't just from the musical performances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't quite buy Judy Garland and Fred Astaire as a couple, which I guess you have to do in the movie. And I really didn't think they were ever going to be a couple. I thought that was just, like, they were dance partners, and then they start falling in love, and it just didn't connect. Um, but still, it's Gene Kelly and... Not Gene Kelly. Um, Judy Garland and Fred Astaire singing yeah. and dancing together. So for that alone... Mm-hmm. Uh, another Judy Garland one I watched. Um, this was uh, inspired by Married with Clickers, who just celebrated their 200th episode. And happy birthday, cat! And happy birthday, cat! And happy anniversary podcast! Oh, um, yeah! Yeah, so we're very happy for them. They are, those of you who have not listened to Married with Clickers, should. They are a husband and wife podcast, and they are fantastic and cover a variety of movies. They and really for their do. 200th, they're amazing, yeah. For their 200th episode, they did Meet Me in St. Louis, which happened to be on TCM, so I recorded it and watched it. Um, this was delightful. Had you ever seen it? No. Um... I think you might still like it. I mean, it's a I musical. might still like it. Well, because it. I know you're not a musical person. So, yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't say watch Brigadoon. I like Phantom of the Paradise. Well, yeah, but who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, but Mimi in St. Louis has, like, it's such an interesting era because it was made, I think, in, like, 48, but it's set in, like, early 1900s. So it has this, like, weird nostalgia for an era that, like, we don't know. It uh-huh. has uh, Clang, Clang, Clang with the Trolley. And, I know that song. And you know, obviously, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I, yes, do. Yes, 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 with Judy Garland singing. It comes from this movie. Um, but it's a really interesting slice-of-life movie of a time that we don't know well. It's really pretty visually. It's just really interesting. Um, so I'm really glad I finally watched it, and I would highly recommend everybody do. And then they go listen to the Married with Clickers episode where they talk about it. Which they should be doing anyway. Obviously, yeah. Uh, another musical I watched was Kiss Me Kate, which is Cole Porter music. You're really making it happen. Huh? I, I mean, I love musicals. And 
what's interesting is this is like a whole era of musicals where I've really seen very little because I feel like most people who watch these musicals kind of grew up with them. And I didn't, like, by the time I started watching musicals, I was seeking out, like, the grittier stuff, like cabaret and, and everything. The gritty musicals. The, gritty, the grittiness of Liza Minnelli, you know, moving those gams. Uh, so I, I wanted uh, Bob Fosse choreography, not Bob Fosse dancing in tights, which is what I get in Kiss Me Kate, and I'm not complaining. <laughs> but Kiss Me Kate was fun, because it's, it's a meta-musical uh, in an age where they weren't doing much of that, and it has some really good music. Um, so I, and again, it's really pretty. It's technical, or it's all that. So I was surprised by how much I enjoyed Kiss and Kate. Uh, one, oh no, two more musicals actually. Uh, Scrooge with Albert Finney. <gasps> so good, Thank though. Thank you very much. Thank you that, very much. That, that's that's my mom's favorite, um, favorite telling Scrooge. of a Christmas Carol. Oh. Um, in yeah, I watched that so many times as a kid. I you know I'd seen I'd seen a production of it years ago. My friend was in like a community theater production of it. Uh, so, but watching the movie it was the first time I watched the movie. I didn't love it. it. I enjoyed it. If it was on, I'd keep it on the back and like keep it on TV while I did other things. But yeah, I don't know. The music wasn't great to me. Like the really? one, I, yeah. The like I liked Father Christmas, Father Christmas. Oh my God! Christmas. Now I need to think. I need to watch this Thank because I vividly remembering all these songs. I really like. They do something really cool with the Scrooge story that I've never seen done, which is um, after when Scrooge is seeing the future and he sees his grave, that he then sees what hell would be like for him, mm-hmm. and it's really cool because essentially in hell he's the devil's Bob Cratchit, which is actually awesome. Uh, so there's some weird things going on. They do a couple of neat visual things, but I don't know. It felt like I didn't really connect to it fully, and I didn't. I just didn't love the music. So I was surprised because mm-hmm. I expected myself to be like, "Woo! I finally get to watch this movie." And I was like, "Okay, fine. I've seen this movie now." Uh, the last musical I watched, um, I guess it counts, would be Peter Pan Live. So we now have our it's our annual tradition to do Christmas movies. Well, NBC now has an annual tradition. They do to do live uh, stage stuff for stuff. This was so weird. It was the experience was worth it because like I, I don't really use Twitter much anymore. But I know, sad. Like this was it. the place to to be. Like you had to be on Twitter to watch this. What to watch this? Because it was you just sit there and you watch it and just. It was weird. There were so many weird choices. Christopher Walken was drunk, maybe, and that was fine. Um, is it? Is there enough weird choices to justify me watching it? Uh, no, you should just watch Christopher Walken stuff. Okay, cool. Because, like, Allison Williams isn't as bad as people thought she'd be, but she's so not right for it either. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they tried to really... Like, one thing I appreciate is that they did try to de-racistize the, uh, you know, savages, which is what they are in the Peter Pan stage show. Uh-huh. So, like, Tiger Lily was actually played by, I think, a Native American. They changed some of the words of the song so it wasn't like, ugh, wug, we're red people, to, like, just being more about, mm-hmm. I don't know, people living on an island. Uh, I just think it's so weird that they do it without an audience. That's what I don't get because you watch a stage yeah. show. So what? Why is what is that choice? 
I think two reasons. I think one is that just it's one less logistic they have to think about. Yeah. Because then they don't have to worry about people in the audience misbehaving. Uh, they don't have to worry about having an audience where now somebody has to, since it's live, quote unquote, um, that somebody has to make sure, you know, people aren't like giving the finger to the camera or anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the other thing too is, yeah, it's live, but it seemed like there might've been a couple of things that were kind of pre-recorded, um, which, which is just ridiculous that they would do that because otherwise, why are they even doing it? Why don't they just do it as a movie? Um, that's true. But it's just weird because especially like a musical is designed in a way where here's a song and now we clap. Here's a line and this is pause for the laughter and keep going. And like even the fact that it ends and there are no curtain calls when it's so stage bound doesn't make sense. Like just so there's an like a in there. feeling of disconnect. Oh, yeah. It's weird. It, it, it's very, very strange. And like I was thinking like with Peter Pan, like if you've ever seen the like in person, the musical of Peter Pan, the big, like, Which I thing is that Peter Pan flies over the audience, and you're just like, oh my god, there, there he is. And on TV, like, Alice Williams is flying, but it's a little less exciting when she's just flying around stage. Yeah, that's true. You know? And like, so, the, the grandeur of it is missing. Yeah, like, I, just, I think they need an audience, even if it's like a, you know, I don't know, I really hope that's what they do next year. It just needs it. Um, but yeah, so watch the Christopher Walken stuff or just read like people's live tweets or the best tweets of the night. That's, yeah, that's I watched Blake Shelton Christmas special. Shelton Christmas special? The Blake Shelton? You know, Blake Shelton. Oh, okay. Okay. Kind of. Um, sure. It was fucking offensive. <laughs> well, they did like a claymation Rudolph thing, but they ended up killing Rudolph and maybe killing Santa Claus. Like there was a lot of gun violence and it was really, really uncalled for. Wait, maybe I don't know who Blake Shelton is. I thought he was a country singer. He is a country singer. Oh God, does he, is he like a, and does he hate it? Country singers like Christmas. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also about gun violence. Oh, interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to totally wow, go man. off track. I have feelings about that, and I just Fair felt enough. it in, in to voice them. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, my other Christmas viewing was uh, one of my favorites, which is Christmas Evil, a.k.a. You Better Watch Out. I think I've seen that once. Oh. I don't really remember it. I You need to see it. Okay. I, I don't know if you'll love it, but it's such a, it's such a strange, one-of-a-kind film. It's John Waters' favorite Christmas movie. Uh, there you go. It's about a man who just loves Christmas so much, and he just wants to be Santa Claus. And eventually, he decides he's going to be Santa Claus. That might involve punishing the naughty and killing some people, but damn it, he's going to be Santa Claus. It's Fiona Apple's dad. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, I actually just did an episode with uh, the Mad Bad Downright Strange podcast. Uh, I saw that, and yeah, we did talked about Christmas Evil and Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, but yeah, Christmas Evil is just so special because it's so strange. Um, it gets like ignored a lot because people mm-hmm. talk about Silent Night, Deadly Night, but Christmas Evil is up there, man. It's it's weird. You should watch it. Okay. Um, I'll breathe. Do you like Black Christmas? What's that? Do you like Black Christmas? I like Black Christmas. Um, I like. I it saw too. it very late. Like, I didn't see it as a kid. I, I saw it, like, I eventually sought it out when I was, like, in my 20s because I'm like, I've never seen Black Christmas. I should watch Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I don't have the nostalgia for it. But yeah, as, a, as a slasher and as a movie that has Margot Kidder, I'm pretty cool with it. I know. I love her. She's great in that because she's just, she's Margot Kidder. She's awesome. 
I don't know why I whispered that. People might not have been able to hear. Oh, but for those who didn't hear, Christine loves Margot Kidder. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Seriously. Uh, she's she's fantastic. I, I want to see her do more good stuff. I feel like she she works still a lot now, but yeah. like I want to see her get like put in like a Tarantino movie or something. <gasps> yes. Yeah. So speaking of Tarantino, I finally watched Django Unchained. Oh my god, you hadn't seen it? No, I hadn't seen it. It's like three Ms. hours. When am I going to find three hours of my life? Immediately tell me. I liked it. Okay. I love it. Um, I I don't even just shh, shh, shh. let me ask you questions. Okay. Um, where do you? <laughs> I'm so excited. Where do you rank it? You don't have to like give me like your okay. rankings of, yeah, of Tarantino I, it's, movies. It's tough because I am not, like I. I mean, I've seen. I haven't seen Jackie Brown, um, but I have seen Tarantino films. I have never been a Tarantino is a god to all men movie yeah. fan. Um, that being said, I fucking love Inglorious Bastards. That's my favorite. My favorite one. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this what I liked about this is I felt like it was done in the spirit of Inglorious Bastards. But mm-hmm. it just to mm-hmm. me wasn't quite as complex or overall entertaining. Um, Did you feel like it was bloated? Here, I watched it in three parts. I watched it in the morning before work, uh, like when I was home eating breakfast. Then I watched it on the bus to work. And then I watched it on the bus back from work. Mm-hmm. And then I think I still had like 10 minutes at home to watch. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, no, because it to me... Um, Stretching it out that way just kind of felt like I was watching a miniseries almost, and that was fine because okay. I wasn't bored ever. But mm-hmm. had I sat here, no, because that was the reason I hadn't watched it was because I really I don't have three hours to give to a movie. I go Correct. to bed fairly early. If I start a movie at seven thirty, it's going to be a rough goings for me to get through it. You know, uh, so had I sat, had I like carved out this time to sit down and watch Django Unchained. I might have been like a little bit oh, didn't have to be that long but breaking it up over you know two days or so fine mm-hmm. do you have more questions i feel like you have more questions no go ahead oh no because i would i would answer more questions no i just i i just really felt like this is i just felt like it it could have used some editing oh yeah there, and there I are mean, things it didn't need yeah it i just don't love it the way a lot of people mm-hmm. love it yeah and um and Inglorious Bastards is still my favorite. Me too, because Inglorious Bastards could have been shaved down. Like, there's a lot in Inglorious Bastards that you don't need. Mm-hmm. But again, but I wanted it. I enjoy it so much that I I would take another hour of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this one less so. Yeah. Uh, I thought the best thing in it was actual Samuel L. Jackson. I enjoyed Leo too. Oh, he was great. I, I thought he was he was great. Yeah. Um, what was funny too was like. <laughs> It was that that moment watching the movie where I'm like, oh, God, am I like not that I'm desensitized, but Mm -hmm. I just remember how much flack this movie got for the N word and for the violence. And yeah, and watching this, like, granted, this year I watched Roots and I watched Mandingo. Mm -hmm. And so watching it, I'm like, that's how they would have talked. Like, it would have been weird if they didn't. And and the violence didn't feel I mean, I never felt the violence was gratuitous. And granted, I, I watch violent movies, but still, like, I can say when I think you didn't need to show something, and I, it's slavery. You should be showing everything, because otherwise you're whitewashing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's where I stand on that, I guess. Uh, the Another Oscar movie from that year that I finally got around to was Alexander Payne's Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Now I love Alexander Payne. I have never not really liked to love the, his films. 
Um, and this one I really liked. Uh, I thought it was great. It was sad, but still very funny. It did all the things that he does really well, which is these, you know, these kind of unexceptional characters who are a little quirky, but eventually kind of earn their quirkiness by being pretty real, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you say it? No. Or where did, do you like Alexander Payne? Or I don't know if I have a sideways opinion. descendants. I don't like. I don't about okay. Schmidt. Um, everything that you said, I don't like. Really? <laughs> I don't like sideways. Okay, Brandon doesn't either. What about election? Oh, I love that. Yeah, election, yeah. Election's still my favorite of his, but uh, I don't know. It's you, you can watch it. It's on Instant Watch. It's okay, cool. Try. cool. Give it a go. Let me know what you think. Yeah, I've never seen that come by on Instant Watch. Um, recently Netflix. added. I think Netflix it was last month. Really doesn't give me things anymore. Uh, oh. Um, I have gotten into the habit of checking those, like, coming to Netflix instant lists, because otherwise it just keeps recommending, like, the same stuff to me, so. Mm-hmm. And that's how I found out this was on there. Interesting. Um, also on Netflix instant was, uh, an Abel Ferrara movie called 444, The Last Day on Earth. Nice. Now, I'm not the biggest Abel Ferrara fan. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that much of his stuff, but not, not my favorite guy. Uh... This is an end-of-the-world movie. Shocking that I would have watched it. Wait a second, you don't like that. No. Well, it was weird, because this is kind of like last night, where it is literally the last day on Earth. Uh Uh-huh. Willem Dafoe stars. Okay. Uh, And it's just him and his girlfriend, and who um, dresses really well in the movie. Um, But, like, it's them on the last day of the Earth and stuff, and Natasha Lyonne shows up for a cameo. That was pretty neat. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Uh... It's tough because this was a decently made movie and not what I would expect from Abel Ferrara just because I feel like the stuff I've seen of him, his has been much like grittier and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was very like, it felt very indie Mm -hmm. Uh, film-esque. Maybe if you're interested in Abel Ferrara films or Willem Dafoe or Last Stand Earth movies, sure, give it a go. It was really weird to see Pat Kiernan, who's a New York One anchor, Yep. Who's, yeah, who's, like, your definitive, like, nerdy New York One anchor. He Love shows up him. in the movie, um, like, just being like, playing himself, playing a newscaster. But it's just so I, funny to be like, Pat Kiernan was in a movie by the guy who did Driller Killer. Dude, he's in so much stuff. He is. He's kind of a, I think he's kind of a publicity horror. I love that guy. I'm going to go look at what he's in. I love when, um, for those who don't know, New York One is, like, New York City Cable's New York news station. Oh, you were watching it when I came and stayed with you. Oh, I'm always watching it. I have it on. And I was like, oh, I miss it so much. Because it's like, I guess if you were, if you don't live in New York and you think like, oh, New York City has its own like cable channel. Yeah. I don't know what you think, but you probably think like it's really high tech. It's really cool. I don't know. Uh, New York One's feature, my favorite feature that they do in the mornings is when what's, it's called What's in the Papers. And really, it is... They read the paper. It's, it's Pat Kiernan sitting there holding up the newspaper to the screen, to the camera, saying, so, uh, in the Daily News on the cover, as you can see, um, they have, uh, looks like Lindsay, Lindsay Lowen's in trouble again. Uh, all right, so that's on page two. Um, yep. Just looking around here, page three, we have some uh, news in Iraq, and he just goes through the papers, and that's what our news is! It's amazing! Um, so, yeah, Pat Kiernan... Well, if, if you're a Pat Kiernan fan, 4.44, Last Day on Earth. It's on Netflix Instant. Uh, also on Netflix Instant, um, the movie that you told me kind of not to watch, but then you said watch, I watch Dreamhouse. Uh-huh. With Daniel Craig and Rachel Weisz and yeah. Naomi Watts. 
And it's not very good. No. no. Um, I knew nothing about it other than the fact that the trailer spoiled it, but I didn't watch uh-huh. the trailer. Um, so, you know, it was like, okay, so I was surprised, but not really by the twist. But the problem with the movie is that once you get to the twist, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Movie's over, wait right? Wait a minute. Well, yeah, that. So you still have 30 <laughs> minutes after the twist. But even besides that, there are so many leaps of logic in this movie. Apparently, you can, like, he, like they live in New England, right? Apparently, yes, you can I'm walk not. from the suburbs, like, into the city and back again in, like, no time at all. Ugh. You can, like, be living homeless and not look like you're living homeless. You can have a six-pack no matter what you do. Right? Like, just fresh out of the institution, six-pack. Six-pack. <laughs> um, there's... He was in crazy shape. It was really well, yeah, distracting. I mean, granted, and not, like, in a hot way, just in an unrealistic yeah, way. Yeah, it's not like, okay, Tom Hanks is doing Castaway, so he can, like, he can take some time and lose some weight. Like, okay, no, Deanna Craig has got, like, some Bond films in the middle of everything to do. He can't really let himself go. But still, like the story of this man and then suddenly you see this guy taking a bath and you're like whoa yeah no it doesn't make any sense yeah he was doing he was lifting flower bags uh, the world's <laughs> most most inept hitman ever yeah like, ever on screen yeah this movie has a lot of problems and it's not very good and rachel vice now tell me your thoughts on rachel vice she's an angel sent from heaven she's an angel rachel vice with an american accent oh terrible oh, Why God, do i hate, fucking hate her accent She's she's got a like a really American accent in um, the whistleblower too. Her voice is very deep and it's weird and it kind of sounds a little nerdy. I uh, and it's weird because Daniel Craig at first is trying to lose his accent and then he's just like, oh fuck it, I'm British. I'll just be British. Yep. But Rachel Price done here. does yep. her American accent and she is so charming and she's such a great. It's like Penelope Cruz when she speaks Spanish versus versus when she speaks English on screen. Yeah. That's what Rachel Weiss to me is, American accent versus British accent. She is delightful when she speaks British. Mm-hmm. But when she does the American accent, I really, like, I would not want to spend time with her. Oh, no. Like, it would be. Like, it's like those people you know that you like, it's like, oh, do you want to grab a cup of coffee? Do you want to grab a cup of coffee? No, Miss Weiss, I'm okay. Like, ew. Yeah, so that was bothersome. Didn't I that? still would. I bet she has interesting stories. Well, if you know what? If she was like, would you like some tea? Then it'd be awesome. Because then she'd be British. It'd be great. Okay. Uh, finally, um, crossed off a huge movie on my list that I didn't even know was on my list. But holy fuck, Christine, how have I gone 32 years without seeing Roller Boogie? Oh, yeah, right? Isn't that an insane movie? God, yes, TCM. One of those movies they aired at, like, 3 a.m. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, I know the gents covered this way back. Like, I think, like, OTC covered it. Like, yeah, let's just see what it is. It's a step-up movie on roller skates. I know, it's fucking oh bizarre, Oh my god, the it? fashion in this movie, the skating, the fact that, like, this is what The fashion, the skating, doing. it's got it all. Oh my god, it was amazing. <laughs> the Save the Rec Center, everything about this movie. It was a step-up movie on roller skates. I loved it. Um, also on TCM, Late Night, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any of the Apes movies. And, oh, none of them? None of them. Well, the one with James Franco, but I don't count that because it was garbage. Oh, God. That, you are weird. You are so Why? weird. Because I Why? love that one. I love the two new ones. Uh, I haven't seen the new new one. The new one I thought was great, but I also I really like the James Franco one. you just called me weird. Well, yeah. Who doesn't, like, who doesn't like Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Christine, I that's I think who. a lot of people. No. Okay, another poll. Another poll I got to put on the Facebook page. All right. Um, but so you've never seen the Charlton Heston one? No, I, I haven't. I 
it's not on purpose. It's just never um, come up. Okay, first well, first, I think you should watch it. Okay. Uh, it's actually quite a good movie, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so much better than I expected it to be. I kind of expected it to be very campy and just, you know, get your hands off me, you're damn dirty ape. But mm-hmm. it's actually quite good. It, it is written by Rod Serling. Mm-hmm. I uh, did know that. And it makes, as soon I as think. you kind of, you, you might even yeah. realize that before you knew that kind of thing. Because it's yeah. just, it has his style. and that It kind feels of, that way. It does. It totally well, does. Well, that's an immediate selling point to me. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't the one I watched because I'd seen that one before. I watched, Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I watch Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which um, is the sequel to that one. So it was the first sequel. This movie's fucking dark. Is it? Yeah. There's Do I have like to watch these war stuff. movies? What's that? Do I have to watch these eight movies now? No, watch watch the Charlton Heston one, without question. Because I think that's a very important movie in genre history, and I think it's a really good movie. Um, Beneath wasn't a great movie, but it was just like, holy shit, to the ending? I don't want to give it away, but let's just say that the ending was pretty dark. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting for that. Um, very much a time capsule, too, which is interesting on its own, so I'd recommend it. Uh, then two more I've got. One would be, finally, got to watch Galaxy Quest, which is on Netflix Instant. I love that movie. It's wonderful. Um, I had heard it was very good. I heard it was very Oh, you funny. hadn't seen I it? I had never seen it. Nope. Oh, my gosh. And I'm glad I watched Missy it Missy Pyle is so good in it. Who is? Missy Pyle. She's great. And there's a lot of, like, Missy Pyle, Justin Long, Rain Wilson, like, all these people that show up for the first time on movies. Uh... Yeah, Tim Allen's great. It's Corny Weaver's great. It's oh, she's so good. She's always good. Um, but it was delightful, and I'm glad I watched it now because n- now I have started to watch Star Trek: Next Generation more. Um, so I feel like I like got a little got it a little more than if I'd watched it with a bigger gap between my Star Trek viewing. Yeah. Um, and then the last movie, uh, which is kind of relevant for today, would be 1976's Pumping Iron. All right. Uh, have you ever seen a documentary yeah. about Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno competing for Mr. Olympia? Uh, no. No. Do I go? Do, just is, how's my the thought of it is, is it exhausting. Is it it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, you might enjoy it. It's fascinating because it's, I mean, it's A, it's so 70s, like, whoa, 70s, the mustaches on display in this movie, Christine. My mm-hmm. God. Uh, also, I mean, I know nothing about bodybuilding other than it's icky but then you watch it and you're like well it's you know it is another sports art form like figure skating where these these men are doing ridiculous things to their body but there is an end goal and there is a standard mm-hmm. for it uh and it's just really funny to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger um be himself on film like this and you mm-hmm. can totally see why anybody watching this movie would have been like I need to cast that cast that guy that guy is going to be a star because he's just so charismatic and like even when he's being a dick like he's just unlike anything you've ever seen mm-hmm. uh so yeah it's it's worth digging up if you've never seen it just because it's 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 a watch oh, man okay yeah okay you don't believe me fine i see all right yeah. i don't know i don't know if i could hang with that um i don't know you might not get much from it but yeah it's but i mean you liked it I'm glad I watched it. Like, I'm not going to watch it again, but I'm glad I finally watched it, and I found I chuckled quite a lot at it, and there was a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, I mean, I don't know. I have an appreciation, I guess, for those, like, extreme sports that 
the amount of energy and time and insanity it takes to get your body there. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of kind of crazy. But, yeah. So that was my viewing. That was very good. Yeah, I still haven't really gotten to, like, my Christmas movies that I usually watch. Just haven't done them yet. Hmm. You have time. Yeah, I need to, need to find the Christmas spirit, if you will. I understand it's been hot here. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, today was, like, 45 degrees. What's up with that? Today was, like, 70. It can be 45 degrees. That's awesome. Stay 45 oh, degrees, please. Uh, all right, so now we will take a break. Um, chronological, Die Hard first? Or yeah, that's you just fine. itching to jingle all that way? Oh, man. <laughs> Chronological's fine. All right, we'll come back and talk about Die Hard. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight yippee ki Christine. yippee ki Yippee-ki-yay, my friend. Indeed. 1988's Die Hard. Uh, 1989's 88's Die Hard. Sorry about that. Uh, now, this was kind of your pick, I guess. Or they were both sort of your picks. I don't remember. I don't remember. We were like, jingle all the way, and then let's do like an action movie with it. I'm like, we could do uh, Lethal Weapon. We could do Invasion USA. We could do Die Hard. You're like, Die Hard! So I was like, all right, motherfucker, we're I was Die excited. Hard. I was excited about Die Hard. Um, I, I'm going to tell you that I don't remember picking Jingle All the Way, but I went back in our messages and I did. You did, yes. Well, thank I you. thought I picked the Jonathan Taylor Thomas one. No, I, I had suggested that one as well. I know, and I thought that's what I said, and uh-huh. I didn't. Yeah, well, it's, it's fine. Uh, now, directed by John McTiernan of Predator fame, mm-hmm. starring a, you know, young TV actor named Bruce Willis. Uh, based apparently on a novel called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe, uh, which it was a sequel to another novel that apparently starred Frank Sinatra, and technically this movie was supposed to star Frank Sinatra. That's really? One bit of trivia that it was like contractually had to go to him first, and he was like, "Fuck no, I'm 75." Mm-hmm. Um, so now, but then basically this supposedly this role was offered to everybody in Hollywood. Uh, that had a penis that wasn't Bruce Willis first. So, like, Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, Don Johnson, Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, pretty much everybody was supposed to be uh, John McClane. Well, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Indeed. Would have been a very different movie with, uh, you know, a young Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. As an infant (laughs) trying to fight Alan Rickman. That would have been like baby geniuses. Oh, so good. Oh my god, that would be great. Oh, alternate past, alternate past. Do it, do it. Uh, so now, let's uh, first talk about... Now, I feel like everybody kind of knows Die Hard, right? 
Yeah, I think so. biggest action movie, one of the biggest action movies of its time, Mm -hmm. spawned several sequels and many imitators. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what was your first experience watching Die Hard? I saw it really young. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I I think we might be similar in this regard, but I grew up with the second one. Okay. Not so much the first one. I mean, I know I saw the first one. Right. Um, I kind of had the same feeling last night when I was watching it as I used to when I was little. Like, it basically, for me, Die Hard is a waiting game. Like, I'm just waiting for the things I like to happen. Okay, I could see that. And I, I think it's because I can never watch it with adult eyes. Like, every time I watch yeah. it, it's with, with this, this child's mentality. Do um, you remember the first time you watched it, or is this the kind of movie where you just always remember... It was always on. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah I know the story behind... And I don't... F- I never remember chronologically, because I never me saw too. it all in one piece. Yeah, I'm always... I'm like, that guy dies so quickly. Yep. yeah. There is a lot to it that just, and I think because it's one of those cable mainstays where it's always on. Uh, so you end up catching it quite a lot in different parts. Yep. So putting it together doesn't always work in your head, I know for me. Um, this was my dad and my brother went to see this. And it was like, they were going to go see something else. And that was sold out. So they were like, oh, this movie sound what a stupid title, Die Hard. Um, but they went to see it and they came home and both, and now granted, I would have been six when this came out. My brother would have been, I guess, my older is my older brother would have been like eleven. They came home and were like, "Oh my gosh, this is the greatest movie in the world!" And mm-hmm. probably like once it came on video, we probably like bought the video and it was just always on in the house. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, every time a new one came out, we would either see it or rent it or so on. Um, this is the one that I that I actually know. In a lot of ways, part three is the one that I know the most, mm-hmm. just because I. I love three. Uh, I just find because three is also set in New York, mm-hmm. um, and it's a real New York movie where they're everywhere in New York. Uh, so I I adore three, and that's almost what I think of when I think of Die Hard first. Um, but this is Die Hard. This is Die Hard. This is all Die Hard. Yeah. Now, uh, quick synopsis. Do you have one? Oh, jeez. Nothing that's going to be good. Do you want me to this, mo- one? this movie's super simple. It's very simple. It is yes. Christmas Eve. This mm-hmm. very fancy corporation is having a Christmas party, which is kind of shitty that they're doing it on Christmas Eve. But I know, that's right? Not, that's neither here nor there, as you'd say. Uh, Bruce Willis plays John McClane, a New York City cop, who is uh, going to see his wife, who they've been separated because she's has a very good job in L.A. and she left for it, and he felt she should have stayed home and mothered the kids. Um, but he goes to see her for Christmas, and whilst there, uh, a group of, not terrorists, but robbers, uh, breaks in in order to steal a whole lot of money from the corporation. And because John McClane happens to not be, happens to be there, but not there when it's happening, he is able to kind of try to thwart them, and then it kind of becomes a one man versus a whole lot of highly trained international criminals. Yeah. And Alan Rickman is fucking awesome. So awesome. This was his first film. Was it really? He had done television. And I didn't he had know done, that. You know, stage work. He yes, apparent, I, yeah. He was cast when uh, I think McTiernan and Joel Silver saw him in a stage production of Dangerous Liaisons. Hmm, fun. Just imagine like sitting in a theater in like London and being like, and seeing Alan Rickman there and just being like, "Fuck, that's our Hans Gruber." Like, what a moment that's got to be. Yeah. 
because he is so good. He's very good, yeah. Uh, and it's, this is a hard movie to talk about because it's hard to not just be like, Alexander Goodenough is so good. Mm-hmm. You know? At least that's how I feel. Um, oh, man. I mean, it's Die Hard, right, man? Yes. Yeah, I'm, hey, everybody, it's just Die Hard. It's just Die Hard. Uh, I'll go through some of my notes if you want to start. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay. And I'll jump in. All right. So something right off the bat watching this movie, it was like within five minutes, I'm like, man, 1988. Because you've got Bruce Willis smoking in the airport. Yep. He's on the plane, and granted, he's a police officer, but still, he has With his gun, gun. holstered yep. there. It's just like all those moments of like, damn, the 80s were different. Um, and thing about uh, Bruce Willis. So now this, Bruce, this is Bruce Willis's like first big movie. Mm-hmm. And he was paid a lot of money for it, even though everybody was like, what the fuck? Why are you giving this TV actor all this money? I guess it'd be the equivalent of... Um, I don't know, giving, like, who's a good example today of who that would be? Can't think of any, like, TV actor who's only a TV actor. Like, giving Kerry Washington, no, because I guess it's different. That dude from The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, giving Jim Parsons, like, $10 million today to star in, in a, you know what, yeah, in an action movie, because Bruce Willis was known as yeah. a comedy actor. Moonlighting was a comedy. Um, so you have him owning it. And the thing that I realized, watch, I watched this about a day after Jingle All the Way, and um, not to not to say anything about my feelings of Jingle All the Way. Oh no, don't spoil it. Well, no, but there's a thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger where Arnold Schwarzenegger can be a funny guy. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene in Jingle All the Way, in very early in the movie, where he is supposed to be like on the phone with a whole bunch of people, and it's just him, and it's supposed to be a very funny scene, but so it's so strong. awkward and not funny. And you realize what it is, is Arnold Schwarzenegger is really funny when he has somebody to play off of. And when somebody can play off of him. Mm-hmm. Like, Kindergarten Cop, it's, it's, it's funny because it's him and a bunch of five-year-olds. Uh, Twins is funny because it's him and Danny DeVito, or it's him in all these ridiculous situations. But when you just put him in a room, he doesn't necessarily have the timing on his own. Whereas Bruce Willis talks to himself for half of this movie, and it's delightful. I, th- I actually did that at one point um when he first sees what's happening like with the terrorists and stuff and he he's like almost like narrating his to himself i thought like this should be really cheesy and mm-hmm. awful but it's not yeah and that is a matter of i guess a director knowing how to handle it and an actor who has that charisma and that and the thing about bruce willis like, my dad kind of hates Bruce Willis mm-hmm. because, mostly because when Bruce Willis did, I think it was Hearts War, he sued the producers because he got injured on the movie. Mm-hmm. And my dad, with, that, with, with fairly good reason, kind of felt like, you're an action star. Your whole persona is built on you being a tough guy, and yet you're essentially crying because you got hurt doing a movie where you're supposed to play a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Um. But the, that being said, the part of Bruce Willis's charm is that he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not Van Damme. He is as much as close as you can come to an everyman while it's still being believable that he could do this stuff. Yeah. I mean, at least in this movie. Yeah. I mean, he would, like, in some things he gets buffer, in other things he gets paunchier, I guess. But in this, like, he is in a little better shape than your average guy, but he is not Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is a mattress salesman, but apparently spends eight hours at the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, that's weird. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we yeah, get there. We totally will because it's kind of distracting when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a huge part of I think why Die Hard was so special for its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- and I guess you know now that I'm thinking about it, like I don't have the best. I love action movies, but I don't necessarily have a great uh, education in them as far as like the progression of them. Yeah, but I feel like like when you had like Bronson, like Charles Bronson. You kind of, as opposed to Bronson Pinchot, I guess. I was like, who, who does she think that I thought? <laughs> like, he kind of had that everyman, I think, my understanding. He was kind of like an everyman. Like, he was supposed to be like a normal working dad and everything else yeah. who just happened to, when you pissed him off, he will fuck you up. But then in the 80s, you kind of had the extreme of that where you had Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and Chuck Norris, where you had these, like, trained martial artists or bodybuilders who were like Sylvester Stallone, another example, like Stallone never played the everyman at his like peak as an action star. He was still kind of unreasonably fit for somebody that, you know, that you couldn't identify with as much, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm right about this, but I feel like this was, uh, one of the things that made Die Hard different and stand out was that you had, that more relatable everyman as your action hero. I think so too. Okay. You also have a fucking kiss out, kick ass female character. I know. I like her a lot. I had totally forgotten how awesome Holly is. Um, I kind of expected her to be a little bit more of a cliche than she actually was. Yeah. Yeah. But, but she's totally not because she is a, like right from the beginning, her thing is that she has made the decision in their marriage that she has this great career opportunity. Yeah. So she is going to take it. There's no question about it. And so you have her as a career woman. She's, you know, also taking care of her children. Um, She has not uh, given in to her husband basically saying, no, I'm, I'm the man and I'm a cop and we should stay in New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, She, and even like within her interactions at her job, she's awesome. Um, there's what's his name, like Paul Gleason as the kind of like really smarmy coworker who Oh, I love him so he's so much. great and she's really so much better than he was when he was in Supergirl. Uh like she's really like she's nice to him, but then as soon as you know she's alone with John, she's like, Oh well I'm eyeing his corner office. Like I'm gonna get his job. Like she's fucking awesome. I know. And then when fucking Hans Gruber is doing all the shit, she's the one that's totally reads the situation and understands how to act and what to say and tries to get her boss. Don't, don't, don't tell him who you are. Don't tell him who you are. Um, Handles the fact that there's a pregnant woman. Okay. So she's like the kind of the negotiator with Hans Gruber. She stands up to him, but she's not like aggressive about it. Like she's so smart and so awesome. And I like never remembered how great she is. I know, because it's, it's, she kind of does it in, like, a a more subtle way, like, which is good, but you don't think, like, yeah, that movie, that's the one with that awesome broad in it. Right, it's just that in every situation, she makes the right move, basically. Yep. Like, she does everything she can to, to keep everything under control as much as she can. Um, And, like, and she knows right away, she gets it, okay, they can't know that John is my husband. Yep. They shouldn't know that this man is Nagatami. Yep. All of this stuff that she figures out, and oh, it's so cool. 
makes me happy. It's uh, really good. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a, a whole lot of fun character actors thrown in the mix. Mm-hmm. A lot. A lot. We get, we get Tracy Reiner from A League of Their Own. I know. I was yep. excited because I heard her voice. I'm like, is that fun? That is Betty Spaghetti. So that was yep. exciting. So cute. William Atherton as your typical dick. Fave. Mm-hmm. Um, Fave. Paul Gleason, a.k.a. Principal... What's his principal's name? Be- Be- I, no, I don't remember. Breakfast Club. Well, you, That's again, right. always plays a dick. Plays yep. a dick in this movie. So good. I, mean, I love him so much. He's so fun. Yeah. He's, it's, Roger Ebert's review of this movie is, is entertaining because he, he did love it. Beca- and beca- he gives it, I think, like two stars. And basically he says it's all because of Paul Gleason's character. Because he's like, you, you can tell they put this character in a situation just to always do the wrong thing and not believe who he should believe. And just to be this like plot device that fucks everything up. Which might be true, but it's still great to be like, oh, that dick. Yeah, it, he, you know what he's going to do, and, you, and you know, every, he's going to deliver lines, and yeah. everyone behind him is just going to roll their eyes. Yeah, but but like, it's, oh, buddy, it's, it's great. Boss. I yeah. don't care. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Robert DeVee as uh, another FBI. Yeah, that was exciting. Uh, and of I course, forgot everybody that was in this. Carl Winslow. <sighs> One of my favorite parts of this movie... Yeah. When I like when I was younger, and yep. still one of my favorite parts of this movie. I mean, when I was younger, it was probably because like that's the dad from Family Matters who plays a cop and everything. Oh, but I like him so but much in this. It, He's and it's so likable, and it's that kind of like it's that. I feel like in, a, in one way, it's kind of the scene that, like, since then, like, a lot of, like, Simpsons episodes have kind of poked fun at of, like, you know, the cop who had that one bad day on the job kind of thing. Yeah. But it's also this, like, really great that he and Bruce Willis established this, like, friendship and trust uh, purely over the phone or over the walkie-talkie. Uh-huh. Um, he gets, like... Which, their relationship is so, so nice. Really, yeah, it's really sweet. Um... And he gets, like, this great monologue about, you know, how he, like, how he shot a kid and didn't mean to, but it's mm-hmm. part of the job. Um, and it's just that, like, little moment of character development that, sure, might be a little cheesy, might be a little bit easy, but because it's a good actor giving it in a scene where he's doing it naturally and telling the story to somebody that kind of needs to hear it. Yeah, it wasn't an great. info dump. No, it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like, yeah, yeah that's the conversation they'd have yes. it deepens his character and it and it ends up giving you a really good payoff in the very final scene mm-hmm. uh and you also have um i said him before and i mean it alexander Gudnov, good the mm-hmm. who um for those who don't know he is uh hans's like number one henchman he is uh he was a ballet dancer who was essentially like him and Barishnikov were like like real frenemies, like they were both considered like the best in the world, um, and so like like I and I love Barishnikov and I love Goodenough. Like I've just I like I, I find them both like sexy and interesting. Alexander Goodenough died very young, sadly, because I think he like overdosed. I think, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a great presence in this. And just like the look of all of the criminals, and that they're all oh, international, so good. And you've they're got so Russian, good. and you've got German, and you've got, uh they're great. Super Euro trashy. Yeah, so good. And and, and every oh my god, this movie's so sarcastic and so funny. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I forget because I that was lost on me as a kid. Um, 
but it's they're so shitty and um hans gruber is just so sarcastic and shitty when he's making his fake demands what does she say to him she's like you're just a common thief no, I'm an exceptional thief. <laughs> He's so shit. It's so good. And I really like that they are, and this was apparently something that they were very cautious about. They're just robbers. They're not politicals. Yeah. And it's great because it means like you look at so many movies, action movies, and because of the style of them, especially in the 80s where they were very pro-America, rah, rah, mm-hmm. they end up aging so poorly because you're like, oh my God, it's us fighting you know, in, in Korea or us fighting in Vietnam or us like essentially being imperialists and we're supposed to be rooting for these people. Um, or it's like in the nineties when you get a lot of stuff where it's really unpleasant to watch cause it's like us fighting the middle East. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, like, Nope, they're just robbers. They happen to be international, but doesn't mean anything. They're able to play on that and make it sound as if they're, you know, political terrorists. But and this is something that they do in part three also that I really like. It's like, nope, they're they're common thieves. Yeah. And it takes away like it it means the movie ages fine, and it means that there's no like uncomfortable subtext that you're watching. Yep. You know, it, and it cuts out a lot of unnecessary. Ugh, yeah, like, like there's no um, to say there's no gratuitous violence in a Die Hard movie, if you will. Uh, but it's true. Like Die Hard Two is really shooty and really like, <laughs> wow, how many people just died in that scene? I remember loving it, but word on the street is that it's not good. Maybe um, I should watch it. I you know what? I watched Die Hard Two last Christmas actually with Brandon's family. Yeah. Uh, and it was like kind of watching it. I'm like, this feels, it feels meaner. And it's Rennie Harlan, who I like as an action director. Uh, but Die Hard 2 to me is meaner. There's a lot more innocent civilians who die. Yeah. Uh, now, Die Hard with a Vengeance, a.k.a. Die Hard 3. Is, <laughs> Thank you for us novices. Well, you know, I feel like it's not like there's, it's not something I'm going to show a five-year-old. But it's, I think it's very responsible about its violence. In a way, mm-hmm. where, like, bombs are treated as something really, really, really bad. Yeah. And the city goes on lockdown because there was a bomb. And, like, all this other... And even, like, there's a couple of scenes where, like, they don't kill someone just to kill them because they didn't need to kill them. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, I feel like it just... It doesn't... I mean, maybe if it was 1988 and I was... I don't know, like, one of those crazy uh, video nasty mothers, I'd be like, oh my god, they just shot the clerk. <laughs> there's really, like, the people that die in this movie, like, yeah, they're in the way, so they would have been shot. Uh, the terrorists aren't shooting people willy-nilly. They're shooting the people that, uh, one way or another, are in a position where they are put on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. You know, the boss is the boss, and basically Hans is trying to prove a point. To prove it, he has to shoot the boss. Uh, Hart, uh, what's his name? Um, Hart Botcher. What's the character's name? I can never remember. Um, Harry. Harry, who gives her the Rolex. Which, mm-hmm. this movie ends up being a great commercial for Rolexes. It really you know, does. Like, what is Alan Rickman? Like, 170 pounds, you think? Yeah, I mean... Like, 170 pounds holding onto a Rolex will not break the Rolex. Nope. Or her wrist. why those things are like $10,000. Um, but... So yeah, uh, Harry puts himself in a situation where bad things might happen. Mm-hmm. It's just not uh, irresponsible about the violence, I guess, is what I'm saying. 
Right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, like, don't show it to your three-year-old without having a conversation. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember being scarred by it or anything. Yeah, whereas Die Hard 2, like, might have made me afraid to fly in a plane for a little bit. Yeah, and my big one that I kind of saw when I was too young, too, was Under Siege. I have never seen Under Siege. That one I remember being like, this is very violent, why am I watching this? And this I never. (laughs) See, Brandon just said, yes, you have seen Under Siege. It's called Die Hard. Is Die Hard Under Siege not above Siege? Would you say? Maybe? I haven't seen Under Siege since I was a small child. Uh, It's been a really long time. Braddon is claiming that Under Siege is essentially Die Hard Under Siege. Okay. I I guess so. I've I've never seen it. Uh, Interesting. Does it... But there's no Alan Rickman, so how can it be Die Hard? It's true. There is um, that broad who has her boobs out. I can't remember her name. with her boobs out. Erica Laniac. Thank you. How, why were you Why were you so quick with Erica Laniac, honey? You, have a, you seem to know her very well. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was a very memorable part of that movie. I mean, she was in the Beverly Hillbillies remake or movie. It wasn't technically a remake because there was nothing to remake. As the movie goes, I see how it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, point being, Die Hard is a pretty fucking special movie. Mm. Uh, the yeah. great, great scene where. Uh, Hans and John McClane meet, but don't. But McClane doesn't know who Hans is. <gasps> I know it's really good. It's so great, and you know why they did that? It's so tense. I. They did it because they realized like there's no otherwise there's no scene where the two of them meet until the very fina- until the ending. Yeah, and like they really wanted the two of them in a scene together, and then they figured out that Alan Rickman do, could do a pretty great American accent. I know it's ridiculous, and that scene is so great because it's so tense. Because of course you know, and he hands him that gun, and you're like, oh, "Fuck, oh fuck!" But it also it's such a great moment for Hans because it it it's like that moment when you I love when you can see a character thinking, mm-hmm. not the actor thinking, but when you can see. Alan Rickman playing Hans Gruber and Hans Gruber in that in those two seconds figures out exactly how to play John McClane it's like one of those great moments I think as like a master class in acting uh-huh. where you just within that that like really really that like the look it's like just him looking at him and saying like oh are you okay or whatever it is where Hans registers this is McClane he doesn't know who I am yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And he does such a better American accent than Rachel Weisz. Oh, uh, well, that's true. Yeah, it's it's really it's a really good scene. It's really tense, yeah. even though like you, I, you've seen it before and you know mm-hmm. what's gonna happen. Like it's still really tense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it, it's good. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many little things that pay off. Like there's something for a movie that I, from what I understand, based on what I've read, um, a movie that was rewritten a lot during filming. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think from what it sounded like, I mean, the script was originally, you know, had a different kind of actor in mind. I don't think they knew what they had with Alan Rickman until they had Alan Rickman on set doing his Alan Rickman thing. Like, for a movie with all of these things, it's it comes together so well. There's so many um, things that pay off, like we said, with Carl Winslow and the gun, uh, with, the, with the limo driver. 
mm-hmm. at the very end. Yep. Like there's all of these different balls in the air and the movie doesn't drop any of them. Like even yeah. with the reporter, like, you know, like Holly gets her moment at the very end with the reporter. It's, it is very good. I don't mean, I, I mean, this isn't like necessarily an ensemble cast. Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. right. call it that, but there's, there's so many players and everyone is just always hitting their marks. Yep. Like, everyone is always in the right place. Mm-hmm. It's edited together really well. Like, everybody's oh, yeah. stories kind of happen when they need to happen. Like, you never feel like any one angle of it is dragging. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And what's funny is now looking at um, John McTiernan's filmography is I feel I would say the same about um, same about Predator. Which is mm-hmm. also has a similar where you have multiple, you know, multiple characters, all of them who kind of get their moment. Uh, and I would say the same thing about Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I forgot that he also directed. Yep. Um, and it does. It feels not necessarily, I, I don't know that I, I always forget that he did Die Hard 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has that same energy where it lets its actors and it's, and therefore it's really its characters, I should say. Yeah. It lets them like really talk to each other and interact with each other and let stuff come out from that mm-hmm. rather than it just being action sequence, one liner and so on. Oh, yep. Cause I mean, you could have, you could make Die Hard with that script, I think with different actors and with a different director and it would be a very forgettable film. Yeah. It's, it's a case where there is so much like magic energy in it and skill that made it what it is and made it so memorable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's shot really well too. Yeah. And now it makes me really sad that John McTiernan directed Rollerball. Hey, man. I don't, I, I don't think I like it. I don't remember it. No, you don't. Trust me, nobody likes Rollerball. If, if, I'm sorry, anybody out there, if you're going to tell me you like Rollerball, I am going to call you a lying son of a bitch because I don't believe you. Nobody likes Rollerball. Chris Klein's mother probably didn't like Rollerball. Man, I don't like Chris Klein. Oh, God, he's awful. Um, but yeah, McTiernan's interesting because he had some, I mean, he did Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October... Uh, and then he, you know, and then he did Medicine Man, Last Action Hero. No, I love Last Action Hero, but Infamous oh, yeah. Flop, Dard with a Vengeance, The Thirteenth Warrior, one of still one of the biggest money losers in cinema history. No, I haven't seen it. It's on my list forever. I've wanted to see it. Um, but yeah, just an interesting, interesting luck as far as his films go and how they're yeah. really received. I guess that's a good that's a good way to put it because he's such a like. Thomas Crown Affair was very successful. Die Hard, Die Hard 3, and Rollerball, 13th Warrior. Like, he's just, he's very, I wouldn't say he's hit or miss. It, it's just very much where I guess because he works with big budgets, that's part yep. of it. Where, at when, that the, point, the, when the failure's big, it's big. Exactly. Yeah. It's 13th Warrior big. So. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But, like, Especially at the end, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but like when the shit's really going down, and when when Hans realizes, you know who who Holly's wife is, mm-hmm. who Holly's husband is, the way that that is is filmed is it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And this, oh my gosh, it's just so good. Yep. The photo, he just lifts up the photo, and there it is. And and I love the line where. Um, when she realizes, she's like, oh, he's alive. Uh, you know, and the friend's like, how do you know? Oh, only John can drive someone that crazy. Yep. <laughs> this is a great line. Yeah, it's, it is a, it's a, you know, if you're doing the, like, film archive where they, like, 
nominate films for preservation, like yeah, Die Hard better be in there. Because mm-hmm. it is an important movie in cinema it history. Really and it's is. just so much fun. So much. It deserves to be, because yeah. it's, it's well done as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Um, let me think. Um, I mentioned how, how good the stuff with Hans in the office mm-hmm. looked. It looked really good. And apparently um, the, um, the actual like, exteriors and maybe some of the interiors, they filmed it at the headquarters of 20th Century Fox. Oh, fun. Like, that was the best place for it, which is really interesting. That's really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, huh. That's a good-looking movie. Yeah. Um, I, my most memorable scene is when he jumps off the side of the building with a fire hose. Okay. Um, and... I forget it's going to happen every time I watch this. And then I go, like, oh, I love this part. <laughs> like, I didn't know it was going to happen. And it does. It and does. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we covered everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never remember his name. The Theo, is that the bad guy's name? The nerd with the glasses. Ooh, that's yeah. In charge. He's, my, he's my favorite. He's great. Um, if he were a ballet dancer, he'd totally be my favorite. But. Yeah, he's my favorite. But, like, yeah, it's a great movie. And, like I said, it's not an ensemble cast, but it's basically, like, a huge, well-used cast of yes. character actors. It's fucking amazing. It's, it is. And it, it just, it makes, it's like, it understands that it has a whole lot of really good talent. Yep. And... It makes the most of it in a way that these kinds of movies usually don't. Yep. Uh, which is just awesome. Um, and my, I think my favorite moment is probably the look on Hans Gruber's face in that final scene. Mm-hmm. You know the scene I mean? That look, that face. That <laughs> love it. Love it, love it. He's a good-looking man. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. And oh, yeah. I love Alan Rickman. Brandon can have his Erica Leniak. I'll take Alan Rickman. Damn right. Take that to the bank and cash it in. Is that a saying? People say that? Yeah. Take it to the bank and cash it in. Cash it in. That's right. You jerks. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, grading. Yeah. How the fuck do we grade this movie? What do we do? Quality of film first? Quality of film. Okay. Um, 8.5? Yeah, I got to go the same. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, when you go, I'll go 8.75. Yeah. <gasps> it's just so well-crafted. Yeah, yeah, it is well crafted. Um, it's not just from like the way, filming standpoint, but pacing. Mm. It's really good. It's really yeah. strong. Acting is really mm. strong. Um, like there's there's almost nothing. Like I can't say anything negative about right. it. I really can't. I mean, it, for me, it's not it's not perfect. Right. Just it's, because it's, it's not my preferred genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like it and doesn't, it doesn't like make me look at life differently. It, it, does, yeah, it doesn't do touch me or yeah. it didn't inform the way that I lived mm. my life. Yeah. But um. Yeah, well, you don't wear Rolex watches. Yeah, that's a rule now. Well, you won't break your wrist if someone's hanging on to it. Yeah, but uh, no, but she doesn't. Because then think about the punch she gives to William Atherton oh, afterwards. So funny that She's noise! Just fucking it badass. Goes, Boof. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you did eight point seven five. Yep. Quality of life. Oh, uh, nine point five. I love it. If it's on, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna go eight point five again. Okay. Yeah, and because if you didn't have this movie, you wouldn't have Die Hard 3. If you didn't have this movie, you wouldn't have a lot of fucking movies. Yeah, and I can't think of any good examples of, like, a movie that's, like, so clearly, other than Under Siege, apparently, with Eric Leniak. I'm sure if you really thought about it, like, if we 
put it up on the on the Facebook group, like there'd be shit tons of stuff. Yeah, that like that is a direct direct descendant oh, from this. Yeah. yeah. Well, Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, it's a good one. Hey, hey, very nice. You know, yeah, good pull. Uh, and something that this and Jingle All the Way have in common is that, and this is something true of like any movie where there's a newscaster not named Pat Kiernan. Um, mm-hmm. 90% chance that the newscaster's name is going to be Gail. Ever noticed that? Yeah. They always name their weather person or newscaster Gail. But anyway, Gail Weathers. Gail Weathers. Oh, Gail. Yeah, yeah. All right, so why don't we take a break then and come back and talk about Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Travel to 1996, mm-hmm. uh, which was 10, 14, 18 years ago. 18 years ago? Yeah, 18 years ago. Jeez. A child was born mm-hmm. and can now buy cigarettes. A child was born the day Jingle All the Way came out in the theaters. And uh-huh. today, probably, or like a week ago, because I'm sure this movie came out in like November, December. That child has just bought November twenty second. Okay, so for the last three weeks, that child has been buying cigarettes legally. Think about it. Think upsetting. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Now, directed by Brian Levant. Uh huh. Uh, This is a story, Christine. Would you like to tell people what it's a story about? It's about this asshole. Who can't literally can do nothing right? Yeah, he really can't do anything right. Decides but he can sell that, mattresses, apparently. Yeah, apparently decides it's more important for him to spend the day trying to find an unattainable toy than to actually spend quality time with his child. In fairness, his child is Jake Lloyd. Super obnoxious. His child is the, one of the many things that has rendered a certain film trilogy unwatchable to a person I'm What trilogy? Exactly. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. So in this world, let's just take for a minute to think about all the weirdness of this world. Yes. In this society, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, apparently gets up at like 4 a.m. to lift weights. Uh-huh. Then he presumably kisses... Tom Hanks' wife, goodbye, to go sell mattresses all day long. I like how you called her Tom Hanks. I'm going to call her Tom Hanks' wife. Um, while he is selling mattresses, Phil Hartman uh, is trying to have sex with Tom Hanks' wife. Mm-hmm. And Anakin Skywalker is yeah. watching like a Power Rangers ripoff thing. Just when you when you start putting all these things together, 
fucking weird movie. It, oh, man. And can, let me just start right off the bat. Let me start even before then. What does the title mean? Um, this movie is called Jingle All the Way. Wait, well, why? Well, it's a, it's a Christmas song. Well, that's well, something that they say in a Christmas song. I had, I had you know, I wasn't sure about the reference, but I kind of got it. But You mean in reference to this movie? Yeah. Sorry, guys, I'm typing. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean in reference to the movie. What? Wait, there's, it's just one of those things. Like right now on Lifetime uh, is a movie called 12 Men of Christmas. And this is a movie in which Kristen Chenoweth uh, is a busy New York businesswoman who moves to Montana and then apparently um, uh, commissions a calendar where all the hot men of town pose per month. So there are 12 Mm -hmm. men of Christmas. The title makes sense. I got it. Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. No, I haven't seen it, granted. Well, it's about a grumpy cat. Um, but it's about a grumpy Christmas. cat, and he had a really shitty Christmas, presumably. Muppets Christmas Carol. It's, it's the Christmas Carol. It's the story of a Christmas Carol, as told by the Muppets. Jingle all the way. Uh-huh. The Christmas it almost wasn't. This year, Christmas it almost didn't happen. literally almost didn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. Jingle all the way. Nothing. I got nothing. So there's it's, that. Somebody has that going against it. But uh, you're right. What are they supposed to call it? The Turbo Man movie? No. Well, that would be great. And that, to me, I'm just going to start start spoiling my load. Best thing about Harvey. <laughs> I don't know idioms anymore. <laughs> I don't know where I've been living. Right when I but took I apparently a sip of don't water. speak English good now. Right or when I, I took a sip of water. It seems like I speak English as if I am learning it. I don't know. It's because I've been watching so much Arnold Schwarzenegger movies lately, you see. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. We, the, so Brian Levant, director... I'm looking at his filmography because I was curious. I'm like, all right, so 1996, this is, what, a few years after, um, what is Schwarzenegger doing in 1996? Oh, God. Being uh, where is it from? Here's the bigger right, question. I'm, I'm opening up the IMDb. Okay, because I'm thinking this was kind of post Last Action Hero. 96. Jingle all the way. Last Action Hero was 93. Okay, so Last Action Hero is 93, but he comes back with True Lies in 94. Oh, Junior that is same 94. year he does Junior, which yep. is very akin to Jingle All the Way in many ways. Um, but it's actually much better. It has Emma Thompson, for one thing. Um, not, I, I, think, I think 96, I think this ushered in him being terrible. This is bad, because after Eraser, which I've never seen, comes Jingle All the Way, followed by a movie I'm not allowed to talk about in this house. Don't talk about it. I'm not allowed to talk about it or to watch it. It was actually in my wedding vows that I could not mention this movie or have it on TV while my husband is home. You better not say anything. I'm not going to say it, but needless to say, it rhymes with, no, (laughs) I'm I'm being... it, don't do it. Don't don't ruin your marriage for this. Okay, Christine, you have to say it because he can't hear you. It's Batman and Robin. Thank you. I was gonna say something funny, but I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that movie. So this was kind of the beginning of a lull before politics for Schwarzenegger, if you will. Mm-hmm. But so for whatever reason, he decides maybe it's because he has kids now. He wants to do movies that his kids can see. He does Junior. He's gonna do another movie that they can make action figures out of. So he teams up with the guy. Yeah, then end of days. Uh, well, that was like his arty period. Oh my god! And the broad and end of days is in Christine, and it's really disturbing to hear him say that. Isn't it played by Robin Tooney from The Craft? Oh my god! Is it? Yeah, yeah I think so. you're right. So let me tell you about the director of Jingle All the Way. Okay. Director of Jingle All the Way Do you made a couple to? of movies. Uh, looking at his filmography, I'm going to say that the best thing he probably did was Beethoven. 
That the the biopic about Beethoven, right? The bi- biopic about the giant Saint Bernard dog. Yes. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm lying. The best thing he probably did was an episode of Charles in Charge. Oh, uh, also in his filmography, Problem Child Part Two. Ugh, not even the original. No, the original. Please, the original is a masterpiece. Um, the Flintstones. The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Oh my God, that movie's terrible. Oh my God, Snow, Snow Dogs. Dogs. Are we there yet? The Spy Next Door. I'm skipping a few because I don't think we needed to know about Scooby-Doo, The Curse of the Lake Monster. Um, uh, you just told us anyways. A Christmas Story Part Deux. Mm-hmm. And something that I need to know more about called Vanilla Gorilla. Well, it's announced. It's announced. We don't know if it's going to happen yet. Um, <laughs> oh, there's not even a poster up? Come on, man. You don't give me a title called Vanilla Gorilla and not give me anything. Do you think it's about a white gorilla? No, I think it's about oh a, vanilla, a vanilla gorilla. Do you think it's about a white gorilla, gorilla who's like ostracized by the black gorillas and forms? Oh my god, I have big plans for vanilla gorilla. October 2015, people, wait for it. Anyway, so Schwarzenegger teams up with a director who really has nothing behind him to really support a big budget comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, we get Jingle all the way. So, about a mattress salesman. So, they don't even give him a good job. I know. This movie's about a mattress salesman, everyone. And the thing about this movie, that watching it, like, really, really, I think, is vital. Now, okay, the scriptwriter, Randy Cornfield, who wrote, um, also wrote Eight-Legged, well, the story for Eight-Legged Freaks, we don't know what Mm -hmm. that means. And everything else is kind of like story, original story. So we don't really know what he, what he meant. Because I have a feeling that on paper, this was like a really satirical, dark PG-13 take on commercialism at Christmas. You think? There are some I don't think that ever movie. existed. There are moments in this movie where I'm like, oh, where were they going with that? Um... The way what they do with uh, Turbo Man, I think, is really fun. Turbo Man is essentially a Power Ranger, but then add in the Tickle Me Elmo craze, which everybody's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is about Cabbage Patch Kids. No, it was 1996. This is most similar to, like, the Tickle Me Elmo toy thing. Yeah. Um, Where, and if for those younger out there, if you don't remember, like, it really was kind of like this, where a toy was released, nobody knew how popular it would be, they didn't make enough of them, and people were going on eBay and selling this doll for $2,000. And parents were buying it. Um, so there's something like, okay, you can totally understand why they made a movie like this. Yeah. Um, the the opening scene, which is a Turbo Man TV show, is really funny and charming, I thought. Because you have, um, oh god, you have like random cast members there. You have, uh, oh, 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 is it Lorraine Newman? is in that scene. Um, there's like a couple of like big Harvey Corman is there. Richard Mole is in it. Mm-hmm. So there's like a couple of like real actors that are kind of funny in this very tongue in cheek scene. Uh, yeah. um, there's things like the really surreal battle where you find um, that Santa Claus played by James Belushi. Yes. <gasps> James Belushi. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where, like, you find that there's all these, like, crooked Santa Clauses who are mass, who are making and selling bootleg toys. Um, but then it turns into this, like, fight scene where everybody's dressed like Santa Claus and they have candy cane nunchucks. And, like, it's this almost, it gets surreal and you're like, 
okay, where it almost gets interesting. Where you feel, or at least I felt, like, on paper at one point... That was, that was the point where it was inter- almost interesting for you? I felt like... Well, I couldn't decide. This is one of those confu- movies that is confused. It's not confusing. This is a confused fucking movie that has no idea who its audience should be or how to communicate to that audience. Ultimately, this is, this is presented as a kid's film. The score for this movie... Every single emotion gets a musical cue and a crescendo. Oh, man. And it ends on such a preachy, uh, like, obnoxious, oh, we're all family, it's all good. Yeah. Where it just undercuts all of the kind of dark satire you had going. Which, granted, they never really do. But it feels like it's there and that, I mean, when you look at that director's filmography, you weren't going to get that movie. But I just but that, because they because they they hired him, it makes me think that movie was never really even on the it's table. Possible. It's possible. Um, I want to believe you. I want yeah. everything you're saying sounds so good, and I want the movie that you think this movie could have been. <laughs> but I don't even see that unless they originally cast Phil Hartman as the as the father. Oh God! And let's talk about Phil Hartman in this. Now, Phil Hartman can do no wrong, and he's fine in this. He's going, he knows he's what he's amazing doing. Amazing he's amazing in He's great. It. He knows what he's doing. He is playing the perfect dad next door, who is the perfect dad, who, you know, is the kind of guy that, like, whips up his own whipped cream and hot chocolate for the whole neighborhood. And he's great, and he's so smarmy, but so earnest about it. And it's fantastic. But, of course, it doesn't belong in this movie. Nothing belongs yeah. in this movie because this, this movie doesn't. Mess. It's it is a mess. It's a hodgepodge. Yeah. Um. N- none of the scenes really feel like they fit together. Yeah, oh, very much. Yeah. And I have seen this more than once. I've seen this a couple times. Mm-hmm. Every time I see it, like I, I think it's like oh, the toy, and oh, then the parade. Right. I forget that there's like an hour of other stuff. Yeah. That well, is of no consequence. There is so much about... Because I remember when I watched this only once a couple of years ago. And I had heard everything about it. And of course I love bad movies. So I'm going to sit down and watch it. And I remembered then being really like... Just thinking, I'm like, this is awful. Like, this is not funny. But it's also mean-spirited and inappropriate and everything else. Mm-hmm. But then I know some people that kind of defend it. So when we decided to do it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it with new eyes. And let's see what we get. And, so what happened? Well, okay, I made a list of nine things that oh, are super man. offensive that I would never want a child watching in this day and age. Do it. Okay, so let's see. Number one, uh, so we get a lot of kind of really weird racial things going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with, so, of course, we get the hook school of dads where Arnold Schwarzenegger misses his kids, like, karate practice or something. Uh, so... Sorry, um, I just slammed my glass down right in front of the microphone. That's right, girl. You slammed that eggnog. Sorry. Uh, so Arnold Schwarzenegger tries to make it up by Jake to Jake Lloyd by um, tying the black belt around his head and doing a hoya like Japanese sound. Oh, that's so bad. Little inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't age so well. Number two kind it of It wasn't covers. funny when they did it, it though. It wasn't funny either. Because that's Sorry. the thing. I'm like trying to give the movie a pass. of like, okay, well, you know, if I were to watch... Like, we always say this about movies in the 80s that are really, that, like, throw away, throw out, like, a lot of words that you would never say today. 
you know, like the R-E-T-A-R-D word or the F-A-G yeah. word that you, like, you hear now and you cringe. You go, like, oof, like yeah. okay, well, you know, it's That's kind what of they the did way back we then. used to say T-R-A-N-N-Y five years ago and not realize that it was an, off- an offensive term, you know? It's true. Um, true. But, so, but this is 1996. We weren't making fun of Asian people like this. Number two, um, this is... So, I mean, I could also make a 35-plus list of things Sinbad does in this movie. But let's start with Sinbad saying, I went to junior college and took a semester of psychology, so I know what I'm talking about. So Sinbad, in this movie, plays um, Myron, a postal worker, which is very important in the movie, guys. We're going to keep talking about that. Don't worry. Um, Because that's like number four, five, and six. Are you done talking about it? No. Um, but just so right away, right there, we have Sinbad as like, I'm working class, junior college. Ha ha ha. So we're supposed to laugh at people who go to junior college. Ha ha. Yeah. Not funny. Number three. Um, and this, now this, I will kind of say, okay, wasn't, movie didn't know what it was Jim. So there is a scene where there's a toy store that isn't open yet. And the yeah. store manager finally opens it. And, and it Chris was, Parnell is in it. Chris Parnell is in it. And that scene, that, that part actually I thought was kind of funny. I wish Chris Parnell was in this whole he movie. He should have played Arnold Schwarzenegger. He would have been great. But oh. there is a kind of funny scene. Not funny scene. I'm sorry. Chris Parnell's funny. But then, um, but when they open the door, everybody runs into the store and tramples the guy that works there. Like visual, like. Yeah, steps on him. Yeah, like steps on him. Not just where you see him go down, but where you see people stepping on him. Yes. Okay, you get what they're doing because it's supposed to show how crazy people were for this toy. However, like three years ago in Long Island on Black Friday, um, Walmart opens its doors and I think it was one or two store employees actually died because they got trampled. So again, you watch that now and you're like, no, no, that's, I am not comfortable watching that. It would be like watching um, Christopher Reeve fall off a horse. Not funny now. Okay. Yeah, it, it was a little too on the nose without actually taking it seriously. Exactly, exactly. Uh, number four. Um, okay, this is the first of the Sinbad and the mail uh, post office. Um, Sinbad, Sinbad's line. I work for the post office, so you know I'm not sane. Yeah. Now, guys, I am not going to defend the United States Postal Service. He was really bad this whole time. Oh, my God. Like, if I were the USPS... I would have done the way, like, you know, the way probably, I don't know, the Santa Claus Union protested Silent Night, Deadly Night. The USPS had to have publicly lambasted this movie because it's so bad to the postal, to the, to the post office. Mm-hmm. Again, I have no love for the post office. I know. You live in New York, of course. I live in New York. I live in the den of evil when it comes to the post office. I have to deal with them in my job sometimes, and it's pretty much the worst part of my day if I have to make a phone call to them. But still, that. Number five being the fact that Sinbad makes a really, really fluffy light scene that goes on forever about how he's carrying a bomb. Oh my god, that's, that's the worst thing. that's what postal workers do. Yep. Yeah. Number six, this is still post office related, the amount of mail that Sinbad loses as a yep. postal worker... Like, scene after scene, he's got, like, his mailbag, and he's just throwing letters all willy-nilly. If that was, like, my rent check, if that was my letter to my grandmother, all of that shit, not cool. I know. I know. I know. Uh, number seven, so now we get into animal violence. Um, <gasps> isn't it funny when Arnold Schwarzenegger punches a reindeer? That reindeer scene is not cool. Not funny. Number eight, isn't it funny when Arnold Schwarzenegger gives the reindeer liquor? No, people. No, no, it's not funny. 
And number nine, uh, the line that Booster, who is actually my other favorite part of the movie, um, <laughs> Turbo, Turbo Man has like an assistant so and it's this giant pink fuzzy thing called Booster. And in the very opening scene, I'm like, why don't people want Booster? Booster is awesome. He's wearing like a gold lamey G-string it's, though. I know. <laughs> I know. Why wasn't he the hot toy of the year? I know. I'll get one for you. But there's actually really funny, like, there's a really funny scene later where, like, um, they're like, nobody likes you, Booster. And then, like, Booster falls off the float and all the kids beat him up. They're like, we don't like you, Booster. That actually did make me chuckle out loud. (laughs) Um, But number nine, Booster has the line, I'm sweating like a dog in a Chinese restaurant. Oh, my God. It's 1996. No, no, you're not. You do not say that in a fucking kids movie aimed at general audiences, aimed at families. You're going to make a joke about a dog in a Chinese restaurant. It's not okay. Uh, No, it's not. It was... It would have been kind of uncomfortable laughter in the 70s or 80s where you're like, okay, it's uh, all right. They didn't, you know, different times. 19 fucking 96. You're not making that joke. It wasn't funny ever anyway. So No, it was, it was absolutely not ever funny. Yeah. So you have all of those things. The whole idea, I guess, being that, you know, Arch Schwarzenegger's finally going to make good by his son. Um, but it's not like, it's, you know, think of like Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, for example. Adorable. It's wonderful. And it also has a, you know, they both want to get each other a present that's going to be really special. Yes. But they can't do it. And you know why? Because the real world's tough. And so, spoiler alert, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, they don't win the big competition. But it's okay, because they have Don't each other. spoil that movie. And they still, you know, they get a job anyway. It's great. But in this movie, it's like, oh, you're going to end up playing Turbo Man and getting a special edition Turbo Man. And don't worry, because apparently, even though you're a mattress salesman, you can fly. <sighs> and your son gets the toy he wants. But then, of course, he's nice, so he gives it to the crazy postal worker. I know. What? Right? I have, you're the real superhero. Yeah, you're Turbo Man. I have the real thing at home. Right. Yippee! <sighs> yeah. Oh, and we also have a groin kick, because you can't have this movie. Of course you do. I'm surprised we don't have ten of them. I know. I was, I was actually very, hey, Mookie, off the table. I was very surprised. Mookie can't believe it either. He, he can. He's like, fuck that. I'm going on the kitchen table. No, you're not. Yeah. For a movie like this, um, I'm surprised that we didn't kick the reindeer in the groin, come to think of it. It's true. Oh, we just got it drunk. No, exactly. So later when we kick in the groin, I won't feel it. Um, Another thing that I did find pretty funny was um, the scene where they're suiting up Arnold Schwarzenegger to be Turbo Man. And Mm -hmm. the guy who is, uh, like, giving him all the instructions is all, it's like, that one little monologue is kind of funny. Because yeah. it's like, okay, so you pull this string for this, and you pull that for this. And don't worry about what happened in rehearsal. We're really sorry about Pete, but Pete, we found out he's, he's, you know, he's out of the ICU now or something. Where it's just, it's a really, really funny, isolated scene. Yeah, it was it was movie. filmed really well, too, that yeah, first and, it just, POV. Everything yeah. was working in that moment. And whether or not that was, like, directed by the assistant director or something, I don't know. But it's just like, this one, again. <laughs> that's, like, that's true, because, like, he Schwarzenegger wasn't really there. Right, well, and that's when Schwarzenegger is funny, is when he has something, like, he's just standing there kind of reacting to it, and it's fine. It's when you have him sitting alone in an office going, you're my number one customer. 
you're my number one customer. And granted, it also ages poorly because now it feels like you're watching the room. Yeah. Um, but still, like, it's... You think of... The thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger is that he can do comedy, but it's not like he can carry comedy. It's true. Like, he can do comedy when you, you know, handle him correctly. Yeah. When you have him opposite Bill Paxton in True Lies. Yeah. Or opposite Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies. Or when you put him, um, like, think going through now, it's just, it's so particular what to do with him and it's mm-hmm. clear that the director of Vanilla Gorilla did not understand this. <laughs> I mean, he also wasn't working with a script that really understood. He, he also hadn't made Vanilla Gorilla yet. True. But, I mean, see, now when we get to rate it, it's going to be tough because without this movie, would we have what is going to be Vanilla Gorilla? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. God, you're such a goof. I love oh, you. Man, I'm telling you, though, holy shit. Arnold Schwarzenegger was in a TV movie called The Jane Mansfield Story where he played Mariska Hardigay's dad. Okay. How would I know that? 1980 TV movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Mickey Hargitay. Okay. I need to just stop everything and find this. Lonnie Anderson played Jane Mansfield. Mm-hmm. Um... Louis Arquette was in it. Man, I gotta look into this. I'd never heard of this. Okay, well, I know what we're covering next episode. Oh, oh man. (laughs) (sighs) Oi. Oh, another thing that I found amusing, but it's not really, like, the movie's credit for it, was uh, when Belushi is doing the chicken, like, when he's calling Arnold Schwarzenegger a chicken. Yeah. Kind of seems like he's uh, Joe Bluth doing it. Yeah, kind I, of I, has an arrested development. I can see that. It does. Moment. It does. Yeah, man, um, that whole Santa scene—it was just the most out of place, groan worthy piece of shit. It's, did you did you notice the Big Show? Now that you're a wrestling fan, you know I figured that guy had to be a wrestler, but I didn't recognize him. Yeah, it was a Big I'm Show. I'm sure I would. I should know who he is if I asked Brandon. We just yeah. went to bed. Stop that. He went to bed because he was afraid I was going to say Batman. Oh, you said it! Okay, he's in the other room and the door is closed. He didn't hear me. He probably has his earplugs in. It's okay. We're okay. still married. It's fine. Don't blame me if it falls apart. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah. This was... This was weird. This is such a weird movie. It's weird and it's a mess and it's tonally awful and... Tom Hanks's wife is lit differently than everyone else all the time. Oh, right? Yeah. I was wondering. I'm like, wow, no. something's weird about her. Like, she kind of no. feels like she's a Christmas elf or something. Like, it's She's lit so different, and, and Phil Hartman's hysterical, oh, but... great. I, and I, why does he want her? I mean, maybe I don't she was know. lit like an angel. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. It was just... It's just she's such... So, she has nothing... You know, she ain't no Holly McLean, Holly Gennaro McLean. It's true. Like, she does it, nothing the whole movie. She does do nothing the whole movie. Like, my problem is, okay, that kid's crazy whiny. Like, crazy whiny. But, um, I almost call him Tom Cruise. I don't know why. Arnold Schwarzenegger is, su- he is such a bad father. Like, your, your, your dumbass kid is screaming about how bad he wants you at that parade. So what are you going to do? Go on an unrealistic journey for a stupid fucking toy you're not going to get. 
Mm. Instead of spending time with your stupid kid. Would you want to spend time with them, though? Come on. And the other thing, too, though, I guess they're trying to go for is the idea of, like, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is so out of touch that he has no idea that he can't just go to a mall and buy this toy. Mm -hmm. So when he discovers that, like, oh, my God, there is no way I'm getting this thing that I promised my son... Yeah, maybe that's more important. But thankfully, I can play Turbo Man in the Turbo Man Parade special show. Which in and of itself doesn't make logistical sense. The rocket pack made sense. Um, the way, like, the speaker was manipulating his voice made no sense. Also, the fact that his well, voice was... like, it's going to manipulate your voice, and then it's just, Arnold Schwarzenegger talking very loud. Like, in an echo. And, like, of course that dumbass kid is going to recognize his dumbass dad's no, no, stupid accent. No, he doesn't. Accent. He doesn't until the very last minute. I know, but it makes no sense. I know. That's a stupid movie. And I own it now, by the way. Because it was $3 to rent or $5 to buy. I'm like, well, <sighs> I mean, I'm sure I'll have another reason to watch it at some point in life. So when I'm compiling my, like, Phil Hartman's greatest clips, like, personal DVD for my own use, mm-hmm. I'll probably put this in there, I guess. Yeah. Because he's I want a movie about him. I want yeah. a movie about his divorce. I also Do just you? want him to be alive. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think you're alone in that. No. It really, like, it's so disappointing to see, like, anytime you, it, it is one of those cases of an actor where you just watch and you're like, oh, too soon. Because, I mean... Like, imagine if they had done the remake of Total Recall and it was Phil Hartman. <sighs> Man, it really is really upsetting, and, and it happens when I watch The Simpsons a lot. Yeah. Um, such a big part of, you know, my earlier years. Yeah, and I think for... I, such, I like, a I seemingly remember, good guy, too. Yeah, and that's what, by all accounts, everything you read about him, actors always say, like... Like, I'm, like, they had like a lot of tributes to him a few months ago because I guess it was um, like the anniversary of his death, I think. Mm-hmm. And there were so many different like SNL people writing and saying just how great it was working with him. And there was one thing of like a writer saying like most of the SNL sketches you wrote like for an actor, you you were catering to a very specific talent. And then you had Phil Hartman, and you can write anything, and you knew he could do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, um, Zach so is a big. Zach is a fan, and he he often says he gives the anecdote that they used to call him the glue, yeah, um, because oh, they could yeah. just put him in any sketch and anything, he would and he would make it work. He'd be great, and he'd be yeah. Great. He's hysterical, and it's a real yeah, fucking heartbreaking thing. And he's good in this. In yes, like I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't Phil Hartman's really sleazy, but watching it now, I'm like, no, he's not. Like he's just yeah. he's so funny and he's shitty. So it's funny. Great. Like he's shitty, but he's also really yep. earnest. Yep. And something I kind of did, another thing that I was like, okay, well, it would have been really easy for them to have made Phil Hartman's kid a dick. Because yeah. I feel like these movies usually do that. Like, yeah, there has to be, like, the dickish kid that gets yeah, whatever that he wants. Yeah, that gets everything he wants. And yeah. in this case, no. Like, it's just Phil Hartman's son, and he even, like, no, like, he's friends with Anakin Skywalker for some yeah. reason. So I, I like that they didn't go for that, but I feel like it may have just been that nobody thought of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, Maybe so. It's possible. So, um, now they just made a sequel to this movie that apparently has nothing to do with it, starring Larry the Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw, I saw it in Best Buy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's making its, its rounds. Now. Is it? Do people like it? Uh, I don't the know. The only person I know who's seen it, I think, was um, dear friend Justin Oberholzer, who I think uh-huh. did not care for it. 
But I don't know, people. We can put that on what poll? I got like five polls I got to make today, don't I? You do. I hope you go back and listen to get what all they all were yeah, because I okay. forgot. <laughs> I'm not going to make the poll of should I watch Shingle all the way to because we know people are going to say yes and we know that they're going to be wrong. I, it, to be honest with you, I don't think it can be much worse than this. Yeah, the, and this the thing too about it is like. And maybe in 10 years, when the later 90s are kind of nostalgic, we'll be like, oh, it's such a 90s movie. But it doesn't even feel that interesting for its time. It doesn't. It's not like a time capsule. No. Like, I guess you're kind of like, well, if they had cell phones. But no, not really. Like, there's nothing... Yeah, the only time capsule, it's like, oh, yeah, remember when we used to make jokes about how people who worked for the post office were going to kill us all? Yep. You know, that was a fun time. Those were good old days. More innocent times. Now we don't say it out loud because we're afraid they're going to hear us and then fuck with our mail. <laughs> I'm never going to get those Christmas cards. Oh, shit. Yeah, I got to send you a pack. You Okay. Uh, UPS all the way. All right. So um, do you have more to say or are we about ready to raise <sighs> coal? Um, uh, I think we hit all big ones. It's not like so bad it's good i hate when people say that i know it's it's not that it's i know what you is kind of so bad guys i know what you mean when you say that yeah isn't that well because comedies are also really hard for that to work with that's very true it's it's trying to be funny Mm -hmm. so it's and it's never unintentionally funny yeah um it's not good and again my problem with it is more because it is just so mean and insensitive <laughs> and yeah I it is not but with such a goofy weird slap slapsticky fantasy world tone yeah but it doesn't but it doesn't commit to it so therefore it doesn't feel as light as it should like it just i wouldn't want a child watching this movie i wouldn't want to have to say to him all of these things of okay but now in real life we don't do this and we don't say these things and you know we don't make stereotypical jokes or kick yep. people in the groins or punch reindeer. And everybody in the post office isn't insane. Yeah. So. I don't know. This is a weird one. Yeah. So my rating, I guess, I'll go first because you went first in the last one. Um, as a film, um, again, it is not the worst made film. It had money behind it, but it is so tonally misguided and confused that it is going to go below average. So I'm going to say 4.5 as a film. 4.5 as a film. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 4. You're saying 4? Yeah, 4. Yeah. Um, quality of life on this, like, <sighs> things that I could say, like, okay. Can like, we go are, negative? You oh, made a fucking list about what it did wrong. Us. Yeah. Well, so what it did right for me, um, Booster, because <laughs> I'm weird. Yeah. Um, and I wish work. they made that toy I would get you on. I know. It would be cute. Like, and he's on a little gold thingy, and he talked, and... Um, yeah, but other than that, like, I'm pissed that I, and I own it now, too. Anybody Did you think it was going to be a little bit better? Yeah, or that you'd I, thought, enjoy it more? I really thought, I'm like, you know what, I bet, like, because, again, I'm thinking, like, Last Action Hero, like, where it's kind of meta. I'm like, yeah. I must have missed stuff when I watched yeah. it. Like, I, no. I, this is probably much smarter than I think it was back then. I watched nope. it last year when I went on my tear of watching Christmas movies, because I think it was streaming last year. It might have been. And, um... I went on my tear and I was like, well, this has got to be like, like schlocky and like cool, right? Yeah. Like there's got to be something to this. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Christmas movie. No, no, 
Yeah, no, no. It's no the Christmas that almost wasn't, obviously. Um, what is, though? Now, here's a question for you. Yes, love. Tax between the two. Which one would you take? This one. Really? The Christmas that almost wasn't is like a fever dream. I know, but it's a great fever dream. There's the song about the plum guy. Mr. Prune, Phineas T. Prune. Prune. I had a <laughs> dream like that. Like, Eat his... donuts with a spoon. We don't care if it all makes sense. His name again is Prune. I always say Prune, 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 Prune. That's literally Africa! what happened. Isn't no, I tell you his name is Prune. It's like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I mean, but fuck it. Jingle all the way. All we get is jingle all the way played at the beginning and at the end credits. Did we? Yes. Oh, and Uh and the fucking score that I, my God, thought it was going for, like, Oscar clips in every scene. Stupid. Fucking score. Okay, my enjoyment of life, 3.5. Oh, I forgot we didn't do that. (laughs) Um, 2.5. Yep, fair enough. So that was jingle all the way, which we obviously do not recommend. No. And especially if you have kids, don't watch it. They Like, show them Kindergarten Cop. And granted, Kindergarten Cop gets a little dark because there are, like, guns and drug overdoses and stuff. Um, but at least it's cute. This movie, you got to deal with fucking Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, there's nothing redeeming no. about it. Other than nothing. Hartman. Yeah, and he's Mr. not even in it enough. I know. He really sure. isn't. And then he gets beat the thermos because Rita Wilson, I don't know, like, I don't think that was a realistic reaction oh, like he didn't try to assault her. all she had to he, do was be like no i'm actually no, look, not interested in a relationship i'm married he, yeah you read the signs wrong yeah he wasn't like trying to take her pants off he was just trying no. to seduce her there's yeah, a difference and, people and then he went in for it and she could have been like whoa 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 buddy yeah. i'm a married woman Instead, Get out. yeah fucking tom hank's wife with her <laughs> elf lighting <sighs> all right so we have no idea what we're doing in our next episode we don't um Crumpy Cat's first Christmas. All right. No, I don't. No, I, I don't think we can risk it. After this, I feel like we need to go a little safer. Uh, I guess. Nah. No, we'll think about it. My life will never be the same now. <laughs> um, but okay. But now, do you have a Netflix instant recommend? Um, it's a real big cop out one. Ooh. Well, is it True Beverly, Beverly Hills? Because that's an instant watch now. No, but thank you for letting me know. No, Oculus is officially on instant. It so. is officially on instant now. Just go watch it and stuff. Oh, that's your instant? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, it's total cop out. I haven't been. I, American American Horror Story Coven. That's what I've been watching. Have you been watching it? Do you like it? I love it. How far are you into it? Um, I don't know what episode, but I have to imagine it's halfway or a little bit more. See, I watched it. I wonder if that's. if if. The American Horror Story is a case where it reads better when you watch a bunch at once. It's possible. I heard that the first season sucked, and I loved it. And then different people told me Asylum sucked, and I loved it. And then different people told me Coven sucked, yeah. and I really loved it so far. Well, I really liked the first season. I loved aspects of the second season. I thought it was a mess, and it had no excuse to be a mess, because it's technically a miniseries. So they should have this all planned. But still, two had some really cool things going on. Two had some Sarah spoilers. Paulson, I love spoilers. The alien stuff I didn't really like, but yeah, because well, the show didn't back away from it. What even mm-hmm. did it mean in the end? Nobody. Even I knows. know it should have. It should have gone with it or, or, or shied away. And the but... fact is, like they plan this in advance. There's no excuse for them to not have it tight. It was, you're completely right. There's so much about it. Zachary yeah. Zachary Quinto, who I desperately missed this season. Yeah. Um, but 
there's so much about it that I like. And I like how, like, it's so broad-centric, mm. season three. Coven is so many ladies doing fucking lady yep. stuff. And there are really no romance storylines. Um, mm-hmm. Just what's-her-face, uh, Vera Hormiga's relation. and Sister. So that's her sister? Yeah, little sister. Okay, and she Evan Peters. They have something, but they haven't spent a lot of time on it so far. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's really refreshing. Plus, Emma Roberts is in it, and she's a fucking badass. <laughs> she's so I divisive. Love I like her in the show. I think she plays a good bitch. Um, I know, like, Jason hates her. Really? I like her a lot. I, I thought she was a really good bitch in Scream 4, and she's a really good bitch in this. Um, yeah, I I mean, season two I liked because it just, it did some things that, like, I've never seen on TV before. Yeah. I didn't like, I, I always say Coven. I can't say Coven. I can only say Coven. Um, You're cute. I was excited by things about Coven, but I just feel, again, like it was such a mess in the end. And I'll be curious when you finish it, how you feel about it, and we can get okay. back and talk there, about it. Um, and now there are, some, yeah. there are certain threads of it that I kind of go like, okay. like I wish I was paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to hear you talk about it when you're done. This season, I'm just, now I feel like they're just doing the same. Like, the whole freshness about it was that, like, different, same actors, different roles, different story. But this season, I'm like, everybody is the same as they were in every other season. Yeah. So it's like, oh, look, there's Jessica Lange playing another over-the-hill fading beauty who wants to hold on to her power. That's unfortunate. And that's disappointing, because the whole concept should be that they don't have to do that, but... Um, Sarah Paulson rocks my world, so that's good. Totally. She's so good. Uh, my instant recommend, um, I'm kind of copping out in a different way. I'm going <gasps> to give a recommend that you gave like a year and a half ago or so, I think. Fantastic. Um, so that just means I'm extra right. You are. So I'm flipping around Netflix. And I'm like, I just watched Django. So I'm like, I want something a little lighter or something, you know, kind of fun. Um, and I came upon a movie that had been on my queue forever that you'd recommended called mm-hmm. Timer. <gasps> with Emma Caulfield, a.k.a. Anya. Yes, um, and? I loved this movie. Yeah, Because here's the thing about this movie. So this, for those of you who've probably seen it come up on Instant Watch, it's kind of, eh, you might call it a romantic comedy, but it's actually fairly serious. It's just a it film. Is. Like, you know, no labels needed, man. Um, and the concept is, in this near future you can get something implanted in your wrist that is a countdown that tells you the day you were going to meet your soulmate. Uh, And so it means that you have no uncertainty about falling in love. You know who you're going to fall in love with, when you're going to fall in Mm -hmm. love with them, Mm -hmm. unless the person, your soulmate, hasn't gotten one and then you don't have an answer. Or if you get a timer that's like, you're going to fall in love when you're 45 and you're like, but I'm 25. What do I do for the next 20 years? Um, So, I mean, it's kind of high concept, but that's not what makes this film so good. Yeah. What made this film so good is that, like, it was so... It had characters that were people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Emma Caulfield plays the kind of character that would be like the Katherine Heigl role. Except yeah. she's an orthodontist. She's, um, you know, she's a little uptight, but she also has a really close relationship with her sister. And her sister is this really sarcastic person who has all these other reasons for what she does. And so the relationship between the sisters is great. Yeah, it is. Um, it's very much about, like, how, you know, maybe there is the one, but maybe it's also important to have the not one. And, uh, like, this other, like, kind of um, 
mismatched relationships and, you know, how they can be important and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to sell the movie without kind of making it sound like a really gooey, romantic relationship movie. But it was just the kind of case of, like, here's a movie where they had a concept and that's fine, but they understood that in order to make it work, they needed to know their characters. And they do. And it's so impressive for that. And it made me very it is. happy. It's, it's good. It's, it's not as saccharine as I expected yeah. it. I um, really thought it was going to be like like flowers and butterflies and right, rainbows. Right. And like, it's not, it's, it's a really good story and it's got interesting characters mm-hmm. and I mean, like, the faulted that, characters. Yeah. And like the yeah. things that come up in the way of characters, it's not like, Oh, silly misunderstanding. Now they can't be together. Like yeah. those silly misunderstandings characters get by cause they're grownups and grownups will can sometimes get by some things that movies think you can't get by. Yep. Um, and it was like ultimately too, like the scene where the two of the sisters are kind of, like have a real like sweet moment like that was so good mm-hmm. um so yeah i was just delighted by this movie and i i'm glad you liked it um so yeah thank you for recommending it to me oh well good i'm glad you enjoyed it younger and had longer hair or yeah whatever it was in our year. so many years ago so long ago when i had a real christmas tree <laughs> that's funny um yeah good 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 choice man Why, thank you um so if we don't talk to you fine people before the I holidays. don't think we will. Most likely not, because I have to figure out how to Christmas shop. Amazon. And stuff. Yeah, I know, but I've been really lazy about it, so now I'm going to order stuff and it's not going to come in time. You have plenty of time, man. I suppose. Do you have Prime? I do. Fuck yeah, two days. Yeah, do man. It. Yeah. Do it, do it. All right. Rally in the truth. With that pep talk, <laughs> happy Everyone, holidays, everybody. Yeah, all that stuff. All that stuff. Um, on that note, you should do yourself a favor and go watch Christmas Evil, or if that feels a little too dark right now, Christmas little, almost wasn't. A little too dark. A little too dark? Then go uh, get some Phineas T. Prune in your life. That's not any less dark. Christmas it almost wasn't. Recommended by one out of two members of the Feminine Critique. <laughs> by half. Yes. <laughs> the recommendations are half positive, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the world through those kinds of glasses, you know. Uh, not I, said the duck. Indeed. Happy holidays, folks. Bye. If Christmas came in June, we'd say good afternoon. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. Apricot? No, prune. We had a pet raccoon, ate donuts with a spoon. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. Lemon? No, prune. There was a big baboon who never sang in tune. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. No, prune. We blew up a balloon. It turned into the moon. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. Spinach? 
No, I told you, prune. Prune, 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 prune. <laughs> Now